This is an AMI podcast. More great programming coming up next, right here on AMI-audio. This is AMI-audio live, bringing community events closer to you. Welcome to the 39th annual Great Valentine Gala at the Fairmont, Fairmont Royal York Hotel, presented by the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons. I am Dave Brown. I'm one of your co-hosts this evening, joined by Andy Frank and our trusted technician on site, Sam Baba. And back at AMIHQ is Nazreen Abdel-Majid, Paralympian medalist and AMI-TV star Greg Westlake is sitting to my left as well. So he's scheduled to offer you a comment in a moment. You'll also hear from the stage host at this event, Suana Marchand, formerly of CBC News, who has been hosting these events for years and years. And Suana will introduce even more event details for you. Let's begin by saying hello to the gentleman to my right. It's Andy Frank. Andy, we are here at the Royal York Hotel. What is the scene? Describe it for us. It's absolutely gorgeous, Dave. There are uh, red balloons, inflated red balloons everywhere in the Canadian room, which is their main ballroom. Uh, this is where uh, I think it's going to be about 350 people are going to gather here for the next three, three and a half hours or so, maybe even a bit longer. They'll be dancing afterwards, etc. And um, there are two big screens on my right. Uh, very, very, everything's very red. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm and, glad I wore my purple tie to fit in. Yes, you did. And in the center, there's a, a huge 39 years balloon display along with more large red balloons and the red lights against the, uh, against the, the drapes. And that's where people are going to come up and make speeches and, and so on. Where Suhana is going to be based uh, when she's not walking around the room. This is a fundraiser event. It's a major event for the organization. Uh, so you're going to hear a lot of things like, you know, buying various different uh, prize opportunities and so on. So that's all going to be part of it. We'll bring you some of that as well. Um, and, um, we're, of course, we're celebrating uh, a lot of different organizations. And we'll get into some of those things in just a minute's time. But in the meantime, I think, Dave, I'll throw it back to you so you can speak and introduce our very special guest panelist here from the Royal York Hotel. Yes, so that is the what and the where, but the why matters here as well. So very pleased to be joined by Paralympian Greg Westlake and star of AMI-TV, various shows across the program. Greg, and I just said, I said what we're doing. Andy said where we are. But why does an event like this matter so much to para-athletes in the Paralympic movement? Well, it brings everyone together, and you guys did such a great job of describing what's happening, but you know, what people forget about China and about the Paralympics is that was a COVID year, and that was a COVID Games, and here we are at a beautiful venue at the Fairmont Royal York, and we're enjoying everything, but we forget that that Games was very difficult, Games to, to train for, to travel for, no family was able to be there, and so now... This is the first time for a lot of these athletes to get together with their teammates since that time and celebrate their accomplishments. Because even when you were training, participating, it was very restricted. You had to get COVID tested every morning. You weren't allowed to be around each other. And so tonight, like even for myself, you know, you guys can attest, I just came into the booth about five minutes ago because <laughs> I couldn't drag myself away from my teammates out front. And 
honestly, that was the case. I hadn't seen some of these guys since China. And even in the trials before China, it was hard to spend that time. And Olympian, Paralympian, whatever you were training for, it was a really hard time. And I have so much respect for these athletes that came out on top, that participated, that made Team Canada. You have no idea how much respect I have for these athletes. Greg, so much respect and so much love for the accomplishments of these medalists from the most recent Paralympic Games in Beijing. But even more so, what is the importance of an event like this in terms of supporting the athletes and supporting the movements? Well, a guy like Vim Kocher is just, he's cared for so long. From the time I was 18 when I came into Paralympic sport till now I'm 36. He's just been a constant. And you need those people that are, are there your entire career, that don't just come in when it's convenient for them. It's not just a political play, a corporate play. There are people out there that genuinely care about Parasport. Vim Kocher, his entire team here that throws the Great Valentine Gala, they care so much. And it makes such a difference because it makes you want to compete harder for Canada because you have this in your back pocket. You have this group of people that are willing to cut checks to help you train, to help you work harder. They're there for you. And not every country has that. Greg, how much do people underestimate how much support elite athletes need in the preparation for events, whether they be world championships, Paralympics, etc.? Well, it's a great question, and we get carding, and we get all the necessary things from the government. You, you know, I would never sit here and say anything disparaging because I, I think being a Canadian amateur athlete is a great thing. Mm -hmm. I, I think it is an amazing thing, and so I. But at the same time, you'd be repressed if you don't always ask for more. You know, every successful person I know, every mentor I've ever had, has always told me, Greg, it's important to ask for more. And so I'm so grateful of being a Canadian amateur athlete. But at the same time, yeah, we, we can get more. There's more we can do. And events like tonight are a reminder of, uh, of the more that we can do. Greg, you mentioned an event like this is kind of uh, old hat for you at this point. You've been coming for almost 18 years. What are some of your favorite memories of coming to a Valentine's Gala like this? You know, uh, funny enough, I'm going to make it real personal, but my, my wife is due any day now. We're expecting she, she's due literally any time I might have to get off this broadcast to go deliver a baby um, but you know four years ago I was here with my wife and it was her first ever Valentine's Gala and sometimes one of the best things you can do as somebody who's seen Paralympic sport um, something new for the first time is to watch it through somebody else's eyes and my wife was able to come here with me four years ago sit at a table with me meet the sponsors meet the people who care so much meet my teammates from out west that she had never met before out, out east that she had never met before and she came away just saying, like, babe, this is amazing stuff that you're doing. You're changing people's lives. You're inspiring the next generation of kids. And, and there's Corporate Canada that is there behind you. And, and so my favorite memory of this event was bringing my wife the first time. And unfortunately, she can't be here tonight. But it was just unbelievable. Andy Frank. Greg, you're among athletes that are being recognized as well here tonight. The, you mentioned earlier the Beijing Games. Uh, what's really cool, as um, Dave and I were preparing for this broadcast, putting together our scripts and so on, is we documented the hometowns of the athletes that are actually physically here tonight. And it literally is a coast-to-coast, -coast, province by province representation. It's incredible. It's so rare to see something like that. So it's And it's uh, a lot of representation, of course, from your sports, uh, being a, a para uh, ice hockey and, and uh, other wheelchair curlers and so on, teams like that. 
but it's really cool to have all these people together under in one place. You're 100% right, and it's something that, for me, like a guy like a Tyler Turner, who, who's going to speak tonight, he, he's uh, one of Canada's first snowboarders that, that's a successful medalist at the Paralympic Games. And for, for me, I'm, I'm such an advocate for this. I love supporting the Paralympics. And people forget that your NSO, they are required to give you the greatest training environment possible. They are not required to bring you in to have a party. And so tonight, like, like no NSO in Canada, no, no NSO in the world is required to bring every athlete in and throw an event like this. And, and it is my favorite thing about this is this was always something, especially now being retired, what means so much is even in the two hours, I came into the booth late, and I apologize to you guys if I threw your planning Not at you know, all. through a loop. Not at all. Your perspective is super valuable. But, but the reason it, 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 it's like that is because you don't get to see these guys and, and, and these women. And, and it means so much because you spend so much time away from your family, your friends, your life, your job, your schooling, to be around these like-minded people with a disability chasing a common goal. And when you're doing that with this group of people, it means so much. And so when you can come to a night like tonight, it's like nothing else matters. It's like you just get to come in and hang out with your friends again. It's honestly like here in grade school. And, 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 and I don't know if I'm doing it justice even on that, but it's just, it's so fun. And, and I, spend a, I spend a lot of time debating if I wanted to be here on the mic talking about what a great event this was or in the event hanging out with my buddies and it's just it's, you can do both it, you can do both and, and, and you guys have been amazing toward me but it's it's so fun and a, and nights like this are so important because you know when you think about your average pro team the toronto maple leafs here we are in downtown toronto the toronto raptors they're together all the time mm -hmm. us amateur athletes aren't and if you're a downhill snowboarder, you might have one person from Quebec. You might have one person from BC. They don't get to be together. And the night like tonight, you bring everyone together who participated at the Paralympic Games, and you thank them. And to me, that means the the, the world to me is you. It's just it's just a small, subtle thank you, and it means the world to me. Greg, it wasn't just a bizarre Olympics in Beijing with different protocols. The whole quadrennial was really strange with the pandemic going on, especially in a team sport. How did that change the way that you and your teammates and coaches kept the chemistry going? You mentioned that maybe you don't get to spend as much time together as you'd want to, but it was even less this time around. It's such a great question, and you know we're going to be talking about this for years to come. There's going to be Netflix documentaries coming out about it, and uh, I would love to produce a few of them. But it's, well, you work um, in the right business now, so that might work out. <laughs> but no, no, you're right. It's um, it was a wild time, and you know, on the team sport side, that was cut off. You are no longer with your team. You were just at home trying to be the best athlete you can be, and from a team sport atmosphere, it's great because I think we all came back fit. But we didn't know each other, and we didn't know what systems we were playing. We didn't know what we were doing, and, you know, we talk about, you know, we have a show on AMI called Level Playing Field, mm -hmm. and when you look at kind of the how the COVID-19 impacted everyone, it wasn't a level playing field because some countries had different restrictions than others. So some countries were together every day, training every day, doing all that. I can speak for our country, we weren't, and I have no qualms i have no beef with the government but we weren't together we had to kind of train independently and it was really really hard so all of a sudden here we are before china and we basically got a group of 18 to 21 
really fit guys together, but we hadn't played together. And, and, it, and it's a really sad thing. I know for me it was my last games. I would have loved for my last games to have been a full camp, a, a, a full trial of knowing what it's going to take to go win that medal. Instead, mm. it was just kind of, you know, maybe this will do it. But we didn't know. And I know a lot of sports felt that way, and it's too bad. Did that play into your decision at all, that maybe you didn't get the Paralympic experience that you wanted? Would that have motivated you to maybe hang on for another four years? You know, it's a good question, and everybody keeps trying to ask me that question. Uh, no, y you know what? Uh, this was my fifth game, so I've had every every element of a games. I know how they operate. I know how they run. I know how you need to prepare. Um, what I would say to counter that question would be, I know how you need to train to win a gold medal at the Paralympics, and I would argue that we didn't have that opportunity. For people just tuning in right now on AMI-audio, we are at the 39th Annual Great Valentine Gala at the Fairmount Royal York Hotel in downtown Toronto. There are about 350 people here in the Canadian room. For anybody who's been at this hotel, it's, the, I believe, the largest ballroom in this uh, magnificent old hotel. Um, and uh, shortly, as people are just sitting down around their, their round tables, etc., uh, Suhana Marshan, ex of uh, CBC News Network, uh, will be hosting, I think it is her 26th wow. hosting gig uh, at this, all volunteer, by the way, over the years uh, at this event. I'm Andy Frank, along with Dave Brown, and our special guest here, guest panelist, as it were, <laughs> Greg Westlake, who's got uh, lots of things on the go. I'll have to throw it back to you, Dave. There is something about walking into this hotel off Front Street in downtown Toronto with the Union Station across the street with the hockey arena and the baseball stadium down the street. Andy, what do you think it is about the Royal York that just gives off that, that sense of prestige? Well, for the longest time, uh, it was the building in Toronto. Like, before Toronto became this skyscraper uh, uh, hub that it is today, the Royal York was the most physically recognizable building uh, right outside Union Station, right across the street from there. So it is it is a landmark, just like Shadow Frontenac was a landmark, and mm -hmm. Fort Gary, was, you know, the uh, all these other hotels across the country. Uh, were landmarks and so there's that history there's the history of course of many uh, royal visits and so on so lots of things so let's uh, let's go to the stage guys if you don't have uh, as I mentioned earlier Suhana Marshan Suhana Marshan hello everyone Yes, this is my 26th year. I started when I was, well, I'm gonna say 20, but I, I'd still be pulling your leg on that. For those who are still out in the cocktail area, come on in. Uh, the, uh, I don't want you to have FOMO, the fear of missing out because the party's happening right in here. And I am so glad to be your MC once again for this evening. I want to give you a great big red Valentine hug. Welcome to the 39th annual Great Valentine Gala brought to you by the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons, the CFPDP, and presented by Scotiabank. Thank you, Scotiabank. <laughs> 
And tonight's entertainment, I know they're going to rock your socks off. They're lovely. Uh, you're going to hear uh, from the Layawakes, and I'll leave them to tell you the story behind the name. But they are coming to us from New York, and they've got a sound sensation. And they're sort of completing the circle, because one of the duo, Patrick, was here about a decade ago as a King Clancy recipient. So Pat, you're going to meet Patrick later on, and I know you're just going to love, uh, love both of them up here on the stage. I will ask you as well, while we're passing around the love, uh, if you could turn your phones off that love section and put them on mute right now. So all those great messages that you're going to get, if you could turn those uh, off or on silent, that would be perfect. I would also like to take the time, ladies and gentlemen, to acknowledge that we are gathering on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. And we wish to recognize the enduring presence of the many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. And I will ask you now to rise as you are able and a wonderful part of the evening to welcome the arrival of tonight's special guests. Ladies and gentlemen, Paula Allen, Honorary Gala Co-Chair and Global Leader and Senior Vice President, LifeWorks. Raj Vishwanathan, Honorary Gala Co-Chair and Group Head and Chief Financial Officer, Scotiabank. <laughs> Ruth Ann Onley, presenter of tonight's David C. Onley Award, and our hearts go out to you, Ruth Ann. Welcome. Kay Whitmore, Group Vice President and former NHL goaltender representing the NHL Corporate Award recipient. Welcome, Kay. John Ruffalo, co-founder of the Council of Canadian Innovators, Corporate Award recipient. Welcome, John. Benjamin Bergen, President, Council of Canadian Innovators, Corporate Award recipient. Welcome, Benjamin. And also, ladies and gentlemen, I will ask you to give a hand, make a whooping sound, give a warm welcome to our Beijing 2022 Paralympic medal and King Clancy Award winners.
You all did us proud, and we are so proud of you. And last but not least tonight, ladies and gentlemen, George Presbolowski, acting gala chair and director of CFPDP. And I will ask you, ladies and gentlemen, just to hold as you are and join me in welcoming Beverly Ivany, a director of CFPDP. Beverly will be on the stage leading us with her beautiful voice a cappella in singing our national anthem and to say grace. Please join me in singing our national anthem. Oh, Canada, our home and native land, true patriot love in all of us command. With glowing hearts we see thee rise, the true north strong and free. From far and wide, O oh Canada, we stand on guard for thee. God keep our land glorious and free. O oh Canada, we stand on guard for Please bow with me as we say grace together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for the beautiful gift of love. And yet, Father, our hearts are somewhat heavy today, thinking of brothers and sisters in different lands that are going through such difficulties, those in the Ukraine, those in Turkey and Syria, families in Laval. Father, let us ne never take life for granted, but to enjoy each day that you give to us. Thank you for love and the love that we have for family and friends, but love also for one another in this room and around the tables today to show love and respect for one another. We thank you for the food that's been prepared for us. Bless it to our bodies. Bless those who have made it for us. All things we ask in your holy name. Amen. Please be seated. Beverly Ivany, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic job as always, Beverly. So, a lot has happened in the past few years. This is the first time we've got together in the past three. We've been doing the gala virtually. It's not the same, we know that. And it's so wonderful to actually see us all together as a family again. Beverly talked about love and respect. And I'll tell you, during COVID, we had to really 
concentrate on love and respect as we were in our small spaces, isolated from those we do love and respect. But when I think of those two words, love and respect, I think about one man in particular. And ladies and gentlemen, this is a man who you cannot say no to. This is a man who has done so much throughout his life and is still doing so much, not only with the foundation, but with the Helen Keller Center, not only with that, but also as a former senator working for all of us in our nation's capital. So while you please, shh, if I could just ask you to pay the respect this man deserves, and you know him, he'll tell you right out. My heart is full of love, full of respect, full of admiration, ladies and gentlemen, Please join me in welcoming the founding chair of the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons, Vim Kochar. Thank you. Thank you, Suhana. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, it is with enormous pride that I stand here to welcome you and thank you for giving our foundation the opportunity for 39 wonderful years to carry the torch of disability on your behalf. For that trust, I thank you. I'm also here on behalf of six and a half million Canadians living with disabilities to thank you all for your very generous support for the Great Valentine Gala, which has continued for almost four decades. Tonight, I'm also missing my friend of 40 years, the Honorable David C. Only, who passed away on January 14th. He was scheduled to be here this evening to present the award we established 10 years ago in his honor, the David C. Only Award. David attended most of our events, including the Great Valentine Gala. It was rare for us to miss our weekly chats when we talked about accessibility and ways to eliminate barriers to make Canada the best country in the world for people with disabilities. <laughs> David's wife, Ruth Ann, is here tonight to present the award. Ruth Ann, David will be missed dearly and remembered very fondly by all of us. Thank you for being here. In 1984, 39 years ago, when the idea of Great Valentine Gala was conceived, 
it was going to be a one-time event to raise $10,000 towards building a home in Toronto for people with disabilities. Instead, we raised $239,000. This made us even more committed to helping the disability community and we set our goals high. With the funds raised, we built a completely accessible and barrier-free 16-unit apartment building for people who are deaf and blind. This project is managed by Canadian Helen Keller Center, or CHKC. To this day, it remains the only building of its kind anywhere in the world where deaf-blind residents live independently. The only problem with this building is that there are more than 50 deaf-blind people on waiting list. Once again, we have accepted the challenge to help CHKC in constructing another building in Etobicoke, this time 56 fully accessible, affordable apartments and a budget of $38 million. The good news is that we have already secured $32 million and the campaign for balance of $6 million starts today. Right now, with a check of $100,000 from our foundation to CHKC. And I'm asking Philip Korg, Chair of CHKC Board, and Jennifer Robin, Executive Director, to come to the stage. Fine gala at the Royal York Hotel, along with Dave Brown and Greg Westlake. And uh, Vim Kochar is currently presenting a check. And uh, we'll resume his speech in just a moment, and then we'll resume other activities from the stage at the Royal York. I just wanted to thank Vim and CFPDP uh, for all the encouragement and support they provided CHKC over the years. From the start of the initial building to the support with this, encouraging us to dream big, which is what we I'm asking any other generous donors to come forward to help eradicate this waiting list. If you want to support this project, please come and see me at table 20. These Valentine Galas have become a beacon of hope and opportunity for Canadians who live with a disability. We are here this evening to recognize NHL, the Council of Canadian Innovators with Corporate Awards, Andrew Parson, President of the International Paralympic Committee with the Honorable David C. Only Award, and all the medal-winning Paralympians from 2022 Beijing Paralympics with King Clancy Award and podium checks in partnership with Scotia Bank. 
Thank you to our co-chairs and hosts of the evening, Raj Vishwanathan and Paula Allen, our MC of 26 years, Suhana Marshan, our acting gala chair, George Preswarski, substituting for Tony White, who is unable to attend. The new captain of our organizing team, Christine Payne, and the gala foot soldier for 35 years, Rob Hamm, along with all the members of Foundation Board and all the sponsors and volunteers who have stood with us for 39 years. Thank you all for supporting us. Please keep coming, keep helping, and keep the flame lit. And together, we will continue to make difference. Thank you. The Honorable Vim Kochar, ladies and gentlemen, founding chair of the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons. Nothing will get Vim down. You heard him talk about that six with a whole bunch of zeros. That's what's for what we are aiming for and hoping to tackle part of tonight. Philip, Jennifer, thank you as well for coming up to the stage. So six and a whole bunch of zeros. We're able to do that in part with the next part of our evening. It is a total blast. If this is your first great Valentine Gala, you are in for a treat because you get to bust up some balloons and every balloon has a prize. It is Tombola time. So this is a chance to give back live and in person, okay? There's a selection of prizes. You've seen them, I hope, in the pamphlets on your tables. and. Um, now you can win one, or if you buy two balloons, more of those prizes. Before I bring in all those fantastic volunteer Tom Ballooners, you need to know this. The balloons are $75 each. I cannot underscore that each balloon wins a prize. You are guaranteed with that number inside. Proceeds go to CFPDP projects. You can pay with Visa you, or, or sorry, a credit card. You can pay with cash. Fill out the pink slip on your table. And uh, if you wish, you can also just make a donation to CFPDP should you not wish to get a balloon. But I'm hoping you do because when it starts popping in here, it's really great. Some of the prizes, Pandora sparkling red heart ring. Where would we be without a heart ring at Valentine's Gala? Tickets to the Toronto Maple Leafs game on March 29th. Any Leafs fans? Yeah? Okay. I'm with you on that. And if you are a Leafs fan, you'll know how important it is to maybe go home with a signed Mitch Marner jersey. There's dinner for two. There's tickets to Ripley's Aquarium, which is an amazing place. Uh, a Godiva chocolate tower. Who couldn't use that? And an Amazon Echo Dot. So I want you to join me in giving a great big Valentine Gala welcome to the Tombalooners. And I've got Ivy who's coming up on stage with me. This is Ivy's first year volunteering at the great Dave Valentine Brown. Gala. 
let's uh, let's resume our broadcast activity while the balloons are being sold and maybe burst and all kinds of other noises <laughs> happening here in front of us. It's a ton of energy, a lot of fun. Here's Dave Brown. If there's one sound that will always make my spine just uh, crumple a little bit, it is the sound of a balloon popping. So if I get a little bit uh, jittery here in the next little bit, uh, forgive me. Let's bring in Greg Westlake in on this one. And Andy, I want to get your take on this too before we start asking Greg about some of his teammates who are being honored tonight from the Para Ice Hockey team. You heard Suhana mention, hey, you can, pay, you can use credit card, you can use cash. When you guys come to a fundraiser like this, is there cash in the wallet, Greg? Is there cash in the wallet oh, when you come to a fundraiser? 100%. And you know, I, I, I know it's corporate Canada that gets behind a night like tonight, but I'll tell you, I won the nicest winter jacket my wife has ever worn <laughs> at this event. And it was four years ago, and we won it by popping a balloon. And we won the most beautiful winter jacket for her, so... Yes, absolutely. The athletes are involved. We love it. I'm. If I can escape here, I will go. I love gambling. I will go buy <laughs> ten balloons if I can get out of here right now. So long as you promise not to pop them right in my ear, I'll no. be. I'll be very grateful. Andy, when you come to a gala, one of the great privileges of our line of work is that we get to MC galas, we get to work at galas, we get to attend galas. Do you bring cash in the wallet when you come to a fundraiser? I do bring my credit card. Yes, and I do enter. Particularly silent auctions, that's kind of my jam. But uh, this this looks like a whole lot of fun here right now. <laughs> Anybody who's been to my apartment knows that every piece of art hanging on the wall has either been painted by my grandmother or bought at a silent auction <laughs> at fundraisers. So that's how it goes. Uh, let's talk a bit about your teammates and some of the people you've gone to battle with over the years, Greg. The pair ice hockey team being acknowledged tonight for another tremendous performance at the Beijing Games. Any teammates you want to give a little love to, or do you want me to just literally run down? the list you say a name i'll tell you everything you need to know about that man rob armstrong rob armstrong is one of my favorite men that i've ever had on the team he uh he's like the music aficionado he runs the music in the change room he runs the the pre-game the post-game he runs everything if the music's not being run by rob armstrong there's no music being played what's the uh, pump-up song right before you guys go out Oh, gosh, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm retired now. You can't ask me that. Okay, but... fair enough. Okay, you know what? It's, it's too much in the room. Yeah. What, what happens in the room stays in the room. I feel you. Uh, Billy Bridges. Well, Billy's like, he's the OG. He's the original gangster of para hockey. He's um, an incredible player and honestly a great, I mean, they're all great guys. I'm going to say that about everybody. But what's amazing about Billy is just his longevity. He's a guy that. You know, in our sport, there's acquired disabilities and there's people born with disabilities. And Billy was somebody that's born with a disability, so he never had the opportunity to play stand-up hockey. He never had the opportunity to play that level of high-level hockey. So to make it to where he made it to and to be the all-time, you know, leading scorer, what he's done is nothing short of incredible because he didn't get the opportunity to grow up in that realm. And I don't think people realize how special that is. And I, I, I just hope people know that when we go to charity events, I always turn to Billy and I say, man, aim for the crossbar, aim for the glass. I hope he doesn't hit the net because he shoots it so hard that when he shoots it and his puck rattles off the glass or hits the crossbar, people are blown away how hard he can shoot the puck. Very few people have done more for growing our sport than Billy Bridges. Wow, real kind words there for Billy Bridges. What about Rod Crane? Oh, I love, I mean, I love everyone. So get, get used to me saying I love that man as the first answer to everyone. But 
Rod's great because Rod's a relatively new player. He acquired a disability in an accident later in life. And what's amazing about Rob is he's just a mature guy. And what you need sometimes in those, you know, Paralympic teams is, is a mature voice. Somebody who's been through some hard times that came out the other side a better person. And what's amazing about Rod is he heard, he injured his back in a trampoline accident, broke his back, came back, never felt sorry for himself. And even now I've seen it firsthand. He's such a leader in that group for a guy that's only been around for a few short years. And um, to have the leadership clout that Rod has, uh, maybe doesn't show up in the box score every night, but it, it's really hard to get, and he has it. What about Adam Dixon? Oh, oh my guy. I live with Adam Dixon. Uh, <laughs> now, now we can change the page. We can go real deep on this one. Um, I live with Adam Dixon back in 2009, training for the 2010 Paralympic Games. Um, one of my best friends in Paralympic sport. He's a guy that I see eye to eye with on a lot of things, but we are on the same page when it comes to we have a lot of fun away from the rink. But when it, it's go time, when it's time to play, he's one of the best players in the world. And he doesn't do himself enough service. He's, um, he is one of the most talented offensive players to ever play the game of para-ice hockey. He just doesn't brag about it. He's not on Instagram. He's not promoted on social media. Mm. But he's just kind of in that weird age group where he's a bit beyond that. But he's an incredible guy. When I say the name James Dunn, what comes to mind? Well, his wingspan is like... He's like a pterodactyl. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, J James Dunn can stand on his table right now and touch the ceiling of this 30-foot room. He is the new wave of, of para-ice hockey. James Dunn is this incredible guy that, like, if I had his wingspan, I'd still be playing. Uh, he, he's just, he's a great athlete, loves the game, um, and again, found it later in life. And, and the really cool thing about James Dunn is he's a cancer survivor. Similar to Terry Fox, and he found the sport through the current captain, Tyler McGregor, and they met in the hospital, and kind of like a lot of Paralympic sport, it's not always about where you get to, it's where did you come from. And James Dunn met Tyler McGregor uh, in the cancer ward of a hospital out in the London area, kind of that, you know, eastern Ontario area, and fell in love with the sport and ended up making our team, and now he's a first-line player on the power play, on the PK, eating all these minutes, and... He's just such a great example of no matter what situation you're in, you know, life's not over. You can still find the sport that works for you, and you can still find a way to make it work. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to Tyler in a moment. Tyler currently engaging in a fundraiser uh, for the Terry Fox Foundation, uh, doing a marathon uh, on the sled over the course of the next couple of uh, months and weeks. So uh, Tyler was on my show recently, now with Dave Brown, to talk about that work. So Tyler, great, great guy. Another person who's been on my show before talking about uh, some more recent competition is Tyrone Henry. What, what stands out about Tyrone Henry? You had Tyrone Henry on your show? We sure did. Oh, no. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I love, you know, um, Tyrone was a guy that he has a disability that makes it really hard to play para-ice hockey. You, you know, he, he has a spinal cord injury, and our sport really favors amputees. And he worked his, I don't know what we can say, but he, he worked his butt off. And uh, he became an assistant captain of our team sheerly through the hard work. He would drive from Ottawa to Toronto for one ice time and then drive back from Toronto to Ottawa. He showed that next level commitment that it takes to win a gold medal. And mm. unfortunately, we didn't get that done. We didn't win gold. Um, but he's one of those guys that if, if you want the blueprint for how to win gold, you follow his work ethic. And if you follow Tyrone Henry's work ethic, 
great things will happen. Yeah, that's one of the uh, that's one of the emerging stars of this game, Tyrone Henry. So that commitment to the team makes a big, big difference. What about Liam Hickey? What makes Liam Hickey a special teammate? Well, Liam's a fantastic player, and uh, I forget sometimes how young Liam is because of how good he's been the entire time I've known him. And I remember coming in when I was still in my like early 30s, and I still had some ego and some some you know gravitas and thought I was amazing. <laughs> and Liam was so much faster than me, and he shot the puck so much harder than me. And, and then I go out, you know, back to the change room, and I and I look at the roster. I go. Oh, he's 22? And he was one of those guys that at a young age made me feel really old just purely based on he is next. He is top five player in the world right now. You know, himself, Tyler McGregor, probably the two best players for Canada. Um, but Liam Hick, he is in that category of guys that if Canada wants to get it back on top, if they want to win gold medals, um, he's going to be a big part of that. Pausing on that thought for a moment, how is it that the next generation can be cultivated and developed while still celebrating the guys who are at the top right now? Well, you know, this is just one night. And it's, you know, they have ice times. They had ice times today. They have ice times tomorrow. I'm not going to be at any of those. <laughs> uh, I'm happily retired. You know, I'm with my wife. I'm doing my thing. But it's, it's honestly a nice break. It's a great question to ask because what you get is just one night to kind of shut your brain off to not even think about training it's just hey let's talk about those great times because when you whenever you talk to a retired athlete what what do you hear you you hear it's, it's all about the friendships it's all about the, the the teammates that you're not around anymore that's what we're enjoying tonight greg we're going to throw back to the stage to suana marchand can you hold up your pink slip i can't see a darn thing so if we could turn on the lights for a moment. Can we turn on the house lights? All right, I'm going to leave that to you then. Oh, somebody's buying them. Ah, uh, here we are. I want to thank everyone who did buy a balloon. Condonino, an officer and a gentleman, a fantastic former senator, the Honorable Condonino buys me a balloon every year and has not stopped for the past 26 that I have been host of this. I hope there are lots of smiles in the room with when you found out what you won. I have about eight tea sets, so all my friends who drink tea love it when I come to the gala. I don't know if I need another one, but if you didn't buy a balloon or you were hoping to still get a prize, if you have not entered your business card or filled out a ticket stub, please do so <laughs> and put it in the drum at the front because we are going to draw a door prize after dinner and you need to be here in this room to win it. I can't say that any more forcefully. To win the door prize, you have to be in this room. Shh. Just for a moment. Tonight's door prize, you want to hear this. Because if you've got a honey on your arm tonight, they're going to want to hear this too. The door prize is generously donated by tonight's travel partner and bronze sponsor, Air Canada. So you know what I'm about to tell you, right? It is two economy class round trip promotional tickets valid for travel to from any of the worldwide destinations 
served by Air Canada. You are not just going to Ottawa. You are going to Hawaii or, I don't know, if I win, I'm going to Australia. But any destination served by Air Canada, Air Canada Express, and Air Canada Rouge on scheduled flights. Also, we love to twist. Yeah, isn't that great? Let's hear it for Air Canada. Woo! Or you could send two people, like the older kids who are still living in your house, send them away with those tickets. <laughs> it's just an option. Also, join us on the online conversation. You're going to see uh, all the hashtags and handles up on the screen. There you are. We love your photos, your memories. Some of you have been here for 39 years. Keep coming back. That's what they say. Just keep coming back. Um, but you've got the handles and the hashtags up on the screen. I want to thank Canadian Hearing Services for their generous sponsorship of the American Sign Language Interpretation and Captioning for tonight's gala. I am going to apologize for being so, speaking so quickly. I'm going to slow down. I would like to welcome and thank our ASL interpreters, Melissa Porto and Sarah Vargo, and captioner Denise Agard for being with us. Let's give them a hand, ladies and gentlemen. And you see the Valentine centerpiece, right? The Valentine centerpiece there in your table? You guys are going to have great fun deciding who gets it. I could either just leave it up to you, or I could say the person whose birthday is closest to Valentine's Day should go home with that centerpiece. But I leave it up to you. Maybe the person whose birthday is farthest from Valentine's Day. Something about Valentine's Day. And I'd like to also draw your attention to the screens for some very special guests who are with us tonight. Let's put that slide up. There we are, special guests. And as dinner, shh, I don't want to yell at you all night, because I could. I have three kids and three ex-husbands. I could definitely, I could definitely yell at you all night, but I'm not going to. I'm going to try that other thing. The so quiet down and then people quiet down. I'm going to try that. Did you ever work with your kids or your ex-husbands? No, it did not. <laughs> but as dinner is being served, we're going to kick things up a notch and hear a few songs from the Layawakes. I mentioned they are here visiting from New York, so we are going to hear from them. And also, while we uh, have dinner, the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons would like to recognize and thank our corporate sponsors for their continued support. Ladies and gentlemen, while you enjoy dinner as it's being served, the Layawakes.
Just a reminder, you are listening to the live broadcast on AMI-audio of the 39th annual Great Valentine Gala at the Fairmont, Fairmont, I keep getting that wrong, the Fairmont Royal York Hotel. You'd think I talk for a living. Dave Brown alongside Greg Westlake and Andy Frank. This event's presented by the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons, and it is time to hear from the Layawakes. Good evening, everybody. I'm Pat. This is Anna. It's a pleasure to be here. You all look great. You look amazing. Am I say so? This is the title track off our latest album. It's called Home Away From Home.
Thank you. so much um we have one little more one song left before we leave and go eat our own dinner so as patrick said that's patrick anderson who some of you in the room may know he does know a thing or two about love which was the song he just sang that he wrote with his brother and i can confirm can confirm um the next song we're gonna do is a song that we didn't write. Most of the songs singing, that we're singing tonight are originals, but this is one by the Caravelle Sisters, and it's called You Don't Have to Be a Baby to Cry. Golden rain 
heart that's full of tears. These ain't raindrops in my eyes. Why should I cry? You don't have to be a baby to cry. When you leave me, my golden rainbow disappears. And you leave me a broken heart that's full of tears. These ain't raindrops in my eyes. Why should I fly? You don't have to be a baby to cry. You don't have to be a baby to cry. You don't have to be a baby to cry. Thanks very much. We'll see you in a bit. Music from the Layawakes. Lovely live performance. Dave Brown here alongside Andy Frank at the 39th annual Great Valentine's Gala at the Fairmont Royal York Hotel. Finally got that one right. I am a professional broadcaster after all. Presented by the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons. Andy, just before we get to some interviews that you and I conducted over the last week or so, how nice is it to hear a little bit of live music at a fundraiser? I realized as I was enjoying that that it's been literally years since I've been at a venue listening to live music and I used to be in the business <laughs> so it was absolutely lovely so Andy as as they've mentioned up on stage a couple of times it is indeed dinner time and they're feeding us which uh, people in the media always enjoy getting a meal when we uh, are working on location so while Andy and I are putting some food in our faces and while people here in the building at the Fairmont Royal York Hotel are enjoying a meal as well we're going to step away but, Andy, you and I had the opportunity to speak to a couple of different Paralympians over the course of the last couple of weeks, and we're going to share some of those interviews now. So you will hear from King Clancy Award recipients, Ina Forrest, Tyler Turner, and Lisa DeJong, and then you'll hear from Greg Westlake, who was interviewed by Joy Gupta for the AMI-audio show, The Pulse. Nazreen, you're back there in master control. We're pretty hungry over here, so let's roll that tape. Multi-time Paralympic medalist Ina Forrest joins us now. Hey, Ina, thank you so much for making time. We're grateful. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk. There are lots of places this conversation could begin. But why don't we start in Beijing in 2022? You are the flag bearer for Canada. Take me into the stadium. What's going through your mind in those moments? When we go into the stadium, it's always such a great feeling of excitement because as a team, we are all in Beijing, but we're rarely all together. And so being there with all the other athletes, it just becomes so much larger than yourself, larger than your personal team, because it's the whole Team Canada. So it's a, it's a really exhilarating feeling to be in there. You're from the unique position of being part of a team sport and being named flag bearer is its own individual honor. How do you compartmentalize that as a, as a team player who's also being recognized for your own accomplishments? What's that like for you as an athlete? 
I think it still just feels like you're a leader of a, a bigger team. So it, it maintains for my way of thinking anyways, that you're still the team player with Team Canada. So it was an amazing experience to be able to carry the Canadian flag just to show the world the amazing team that was playing for Canada at Beijing. Something athletes are exceptional at is compartmentalization, being able to let something be its own thing and move on. When you're there in that stadium, surrounded by your teammates, your fellow Team Canada teammates, and fellow Paralympians, how do you go about living in that moment and staying in that moment? I think my tendency would have kind of to hurry through it just um, because that's kind of how I move through life a little bit. And I was so appreciative of Greg because he said something to the amount of walk slow. We really have to enjoy this moment. And it slowed me down and it did make you feel like you were taking the time to enjoy the moment because essentially that's as as long as it lasts. Um, being flag bearer is just one evening basically. And it's so much overshadowed by the competition. We don't even stay for the whole of opening ceremonies because our competition starts the next day and we play two games per day for the next five days. So it is just such a brief moment out of the Paralympic experience. And I, again, I'm so appreciative of Greg to remind me that we need to really savor that moment and make it last. Thinking about the competition, Beijing was a unique set of games with a unique set of preparation circumstances. But what was it like being there in that moment, playing those games in Beijing? What, was, what made that particular set of Paralympics particularly special? Um, for us, the whole quadrennial had been a bit of a comeback trail. Uh, we had got a bronze medal when we were in Pyeongchang. And then the very next year, uh, we didn't do all that well at Worlds and ended up back down into the B competition. So you have to win your way out of the B competition to back into the A competition, which gives you points towards going to Paralympics. So we went to the Bs, we won there, and we came back and won a silver at the next um, Worlds, which was 2020, and then COVID hit. And basically, although we trained individually at home, we didn't get together again for that whole season, which was, you know, 22-21, and then got back just a couple months before we headed off to Worlds again in October of 21, because it had also been postponed um, because of COVID. So just even getting to Beijing after that kind of a quadrennial was a relief and felt like success in itself. Great teams communicate in shorthand, and certainly you were familiar with your teammates. But how do you rebuild that communication? How do you rebuild that chemistry to work together, even knowing that you have a bigger goal? Um. We did do Zoom, so it wasn't like we were totally non-communicative that whole season, but we just didn't get together physically. So once we got back together physically, it was kind of a hurry up and, and get ready for Worlds. And I, I think the preparation phase for that felt very short. But as a team, it felt comfortable because we fell back into all the same old routines that we normally had. And we do know each other very well. So 
there was a comfort level in the fact that you did have a good feeling for all your teammates. Yeah, how does experience help you in that situation? That Because there's such a long history with your teammates, how does experience end up being something that assists you in a short turnaround? I think it's the comfort level. It's not like you're having to rebuild totally from ground zero. Uh, you already have a comfort level. And over the years, um, certainly Mark and Dennis and I have been together since, oh, I think 2013. So it's knowing your teammates really, really well. And also knowing that everybody has been putting the work in all by themselves throughout that season that we weren't together, you know, coming in that everybody has done the work to get together. And that's a really comfortable feeling as well. I know you'll have to forgive me because I've never been an elite level athlete. I've never been an elite level anything. And I've also never really won anything in my life. I'm just not a competitive person. It's not in my DNA. You took home the bronze medal in Beijing. I've always had this thought about bronze, especially in a sport where you're matching up against somebody else, against a different team. Is it is bronze something that, that tastes better on your way out than a silver because at least you won your last game? For me personally, um, coming home from Paralympics with a medal, it doesn't matter the color. I am just so happy because there's 12 teams that went in there and only three coming away with a medal. So any medal is a wonderful um, experience. And the higher I go on the podium, the better I feel about it. So I would choose silver over bronze, but then I'm always going for gold. So, <laughs> and, and okay, that's, that's something that you have had in your Paralympic career. You do have two gold medals to your name. It, when you end up winning bronzes in two consecutive Olympics after winning golds, how much does that leave a hunger in your belly to keep going and keep pushing to taste that gold again? I think it brings home the reality that other countries are really becoming successful in curling and it's not just Canada's game anymore. Not to say that it always totally was in the Paralympic sport, but I think it, it makes you hungry to work harder because you know that everybody else is out there working really, really hard and to attain a gold medal is not a given for any team so it's the hard work you put in and then everybody coming out and playing their best at that particular event through all the games in your paralympic career you've visited many different places including four games in vancouver in sochi in pyeongchang as well as beijing what was the vibe like in Beijing? I've spoken to a couple para-athletes who were there and they said it was it was surreal at times, but it was also really cool. What was your experience like just generally being in Beijing, being in the village, being around fellow Paralympians? Being in the village is always a wonderful experience. Um, like I said, we're there with other teammates. For us, it's just the para-hockey because all the other snow sports are up on the mountain. Um, at this one, Pyeongchang was a little bit different. But it's also being there with all the other curlers, all the other para hockey players, meeting with all the volunteers that are in the village as well, helping you out at every moment. Um, I think it felt a little shut down for us compared to other Paralympics because we have had a lot more freedom to get out and see the city that we're in a little bit before we start competition. So that was a bit of a sad low point there. But the village itself was an amazing village our accommodations were wonderful 
and we couldn't ask for anything better at the venue. So overall, Beijing was a really great experience. You mentioned that it might have been a little bit more locked down than the typical Paralympic and, and village experience. How does that influence your mental preparation, your mental state as you're heading into the games? Like you said, you you guys were getting into it pretty quickly after the opening ceremonies with five straight days of a lot of action. But how does that how does that change your your, your mental approach to sort of be experiencing something different in in an area that might have been I don't want to say commonplace because every Paralympics is different but you were a seasoned Paralympic vet and then this one felt a little bit different how does that change your mental preparation for us our team generally has a lot of family members that come and I think we all get a lot of support from the fact that after a game we generally have say 15 minutes that we can go and visit with our family and share the experience and you know highs and lows um so i think from that aspect a lot of us felt like we were missing that extra support and granted you know with social media it's still coming from home but it's not the same as being able to go and, and hug your loved one and share those really great moments or the equally not so great moments so maybe it's a little bit more of a depend on yourself and just your teammates than a lot of us have experienced before. Um, but we do have a lot of support from staff there and they're a constant for us. So a little sad we couldn't have family, but overall it was very good. We didn't need to go too far back in the time machine to reflect on Beijing from last year, but now I want to go way back in the time machine to Vancouver in 2010. That was your Paralympic debut. That's your home province of British Columbia what was that like? What was it like to make your Paralympic debut not too far from home? It was very exciting because the opportunity for family and friends to be there, it's your first Paralympics. But then on the other side, it's that scary experience of, oh my gosh, how am I going to be in this big moment? Uh, we don't have very many crowds that come out to our worlds. I'd only been to two or three worlds before that. And so it was a little scary wondering if you were going to be able to keep your head in the game with all the crowds that we were expecting. And as it turned out, the venue was probably packed most of the time, maybe morning games, not so much. Um, and I was greatly relieved to find that I could still focus and it didn't cause me any issues as far as mental. Vancouver and Whistler were basically a party for eight weeks uh, before and after those games. It was it was wild to witness from afar. As a curler, do you like the crowds? Do you like the crowds in there? Do you like when there's a bit of a vibe going? Because when you get to these these big events like the Briar or the Tournament of Hearts, the crowds are a little bit more rowdy and they have a little something more going, but it's a very concentration-oriented sport. <laughs> yeah. At Paralympics, um, we tend to get... A lot of fans that are there to enjoy the moment they may not be you know total curling fans and so the etiquette of being a little bit quiet here and there maybe is lost but i found that it, it does it really inspires you to um, come out with i guess your best self I, I enjoy the crowds i enjoy the noise and then again when it gets to be my to throw i can block it all out uh, maybe if you're struggle a little bit more that way it could be difficult, but I think it's such an amazing moment that we don't get to experience very often. So I enjoy every second of it. Where does that focus for you come from? That ability to block out that noise or block out those surroundings as you're getting ready to throw? 
when I first started in curling, like I say, because that was a big concern of mine, um, I really did focus on my mental training and being able to just focus on the broom, um, feel your body and translate that into a feeling that you put behind the rock. So that is kind of how I've trained myself is just being able to focus completely on the broom and that enables me to block out any other distractions. Did you feel like you were potentially a bit ahead of the curve on that one? Certainly sports psychology has come a long way in the last 10 years or so, but did you feel perhaps that you were ahead of the curve? That was something you were actively focusing on early in your career? It maybe comes easier to some people than others. Um, And so for me, it was a really great surprise and relief to find out that I did have that ability. Uh, We had a a great mental trainer at that time who definitely focused on helping you learn to focus. So I attribute all of my success to the fact that I had help right off the start with our mental trainer. I'm going back to the uh, broadcasting cliche of paint me a picture. But back into Vancouver, 2010, you win the gold medal. You're on the podium. You said before being higher on the podium makes you a very happy person. As you're there and the anthem is playing, and you're being given the gold medal, what's going through your mind? Oh, we were just so, so happy. And for me, it's, you know, people say, didn't you feel like crying? And I said, no, it was a happiness that was so happy. It's beyond tears. And you're just looking for your family so that you can, you know, share that moment through the distance across the arena, uh, just with eye contact. And... They put the metal around your neck and your first thought is, oh my gosh, this is so heavy. And it was just so utterly beautiful too. And then the final thing is to hear O Canada being played and watch your flag raise. And, you know, that was the first time I got to sing O Canada because I'd won a gold medal. And I will remember that as such an amazing, so proud to be Canadian moment. Um, There's really nothing like it. Again, I'll go back to those six to eight weeks before and after Vancouver. There was, I think, a certain level of pride that was coursing through all of us in, in various moments, uh, both both for the party, but also for the reflection on on what it was to, to host a games and be largely thought of as just a wonderful host. It seems like people who came to that event absolutely adored it. Ina, I, I, I think I know the answer to this question, even as I ask it, but where does being on that podium rank for you in terms of moments in your career? Uh, that would be my number one, for sure, my number one. You experience it again, but you can never experience it exactly the same way as the first time. And to be in Canada, in BC, in my home province, with my family and friends all there, um, no, she's number one. And you did experience something similar again four years later when you won a gold in Sochi. How did you go about approaching that next quadrennial to make sure that you and the team were were on the right page to come back and have another incredible performance? We had, um, you know, a very experienced team at that time. And... um, I don't know, we we had a lot of success in those sort of four or five years and we just kept building on it. And I think as a program, we made good use of everything that we were learning, um, 
new things about sticks and curling and strategy that works with the teams we were playing. So I, I think it was just um, really great using all the experience of all the players and technology to make a really strong team over those four to five years. In 2016, you were inducted into the Canadian Curling Hall of Fame. Certainly you're someone who is an athlete who engages in the sport, but to be there during, I, I believe it was during the Briar when they had that banquet. I believe it was in Ottawa. I think I think, I think I was skulking around the streets of Ottawa as that was going on. Uh, what did it mean to be up there alongside so many legends of the sport? <laughs> um, it feels almost like you don't belong. Um, I guess maybe because I was such a new curler and there you are with people who've been curling for so many years and at such a high level, it was a little bit like, wow, do I really belong here? So it was an amazing opportunity that I was given, totally surprised. And I appreciate the fact that they honor Paralympians in that way as well. We'd be remiss if we didn't give your home club a little bit of love. What's it like being a Hall of Fame curler, walking into the Vernon, Vernon Curling Club on the regular? You must be a rock star. Uh, I don't think so. I, I play in a regular ladies league and our team does pretty well, but we get beat by other teams in our ladies league. So I think you're just slicking it out there. Um, same as everybody else. They're all very excited. Like when I'm going away to Worlds and Paralympics, um, they're fabulous and they're all wishing me well and they follow as well as they can certainly with Beijing and um, all our games being broadcast on CBC Gem I was so amazed at how many people said we watched every game and they mm. so enjoyed it and they were so happy that they were able to see it so it's quite amazing when Paralympics are there for people to see people watching and they really enjoy it so for me that was a great to come back and know that everyone had been able to share in. In my career, I've had the privilege of covering the uh, Blind National Curling Championships a couple times, the Bonspiel in Ottawa a couple of different times. And the one thing that always strikes me is the sense of community that, that, that just grows around curling. And, and you just referred to it there, the way people were saying, oh gosh, we watched every moment on CBC Gem and it was wonderful to support you that way. What is it about curling that just seems to breed community? I guess it's a culture that's been there for maybe as long as curling has been going. Um, it's a tradition that after the game, you go and have coffee or a beverage with the team you've played and visit so that you get to know everybody out there. It certainly is the same when we go and play other uh, Paralympic teams. Everybody is just friendly. So it, it seems like it's, it's a culture that is developed in curling and it's going strong to make it a very friendly and social game. Beyond the social and friendly it's, it's back to business for you here in a couple of weeks as you're going to be competing at the World Championships, not, not far from home, over in uh, Richmond, British Columbia. I, I'm curious how you're getting yourself psyched up for this one with uh, just a couple of weeks till, uh, till you guys hit the ice. The last month, it just feels like, oh my gosh, it's here and it's a panic to make sure that you're ready. You're trying to practice more than you've ever practiced, which isn't exactly, you know, how we should be doing it. We should be tapering off a little bit, but that's kind of the pressure you feel is you just want to be at your very best because you know every other team is 
coming here and plan to have their very best games ever. So I think it's just a sense of urgency that, yeah, this is the last month and everything's got to get done in this month because next month they have to be super good. And in the middle of this month, you're coming to this event that, that, that we're at tonight, although you and I are talking a little bit before tonight's, but, you know, illusion of the mind. How does, how does an event, how does a banquet event potentially maybe serve as, a, as an important mental break for you as you're preparing for a big competition? Going to the Paralympic Gala is such a lovely way to revisit everything that happened a year before, seeing other uh, team members, athletes from other sports, um, reliving all those things and smiling and laughing about memories that you've shared. So it is fantastic to have that one year later memory building event again. And it is a fabulous absolutely hosted gala we so appreciate the fact that they do this for paralympic athletes because we enjoy every moment of that evening Ina, you've been a very gracious guest and i've been a host who has been really pestering you with so many sports questions why don't we wrap up here outside of the club off the ice what are the things that make you tick what are the things that keep you getting up every day and saying oh gosh life is worth living uh, I have a dog and a cat and horses that really demand to be fed every day. So, <laughs> and they like to have that early. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have pets in my life. I truly appreciate, you know, the fact that I live out of the country, out of the city and can have that. Um, it's just my husband and I here at home now. My three children have grown up and moved on with their lives. So, it's always wonderful when they come home. It adds so much excitement back into the house that you truly miss. And in the summer, and you know, when we're not having to train so much, it's great to get out and travel. So those are all the things I look forward to when I'm outside of season. Ina, it is such a pleasure chatting with you today. Congratulations for your continued success. You're a legend in the sport, and I'm so glad to know that you're being honored uh, along with so many other great Paralympians tonight. Well, thank you very much, David. It's lovely talking to you, and I'm certainly going to enjoy the evening with all the other athletes. That's Ina Forrest, multi-time Paralympic champion, being honored tonight. You're listening to AMI-audio's special live stream of the Great Valentine Gala, live from the Fairmount Royal York Hotel in Toronto. As we enjoy a lovely dinner surrounded by Beijing 22 Paralympic medalists, let's hear from another one, Tyler Turner. Tyler, congratulations on being recognized at the great uh, Valentine Gala. Yeah, thank you. Um, looking forward to it. Um, I can't wait to can't wait to come out there and and see all the people I haven't seen for a while since Beijing, really. And uh, it's going to be a great time. It is going to be a great time. And now I know I'm speaking with you as a Paralympic athlete, but as we're about to hear, there's a whole lot more to your story than athletics. So I thought we'd start a little bit differently than most interviews start. I want to talk about a movie. There's a a new short film in the marketplace called 60 Seconds featuring you, Tyler Turner, by Lara Shea. And uh, the film has already received recognition at a half a dozen film festivals, including the Edmonton International Film Festival, where it was voted Best Canadian Short Documentary in the Northwest Fest International Documentary Festival, where it was also voted the best Canadian short, and a number of others, of course, have recognized it. So I thought perhaps you can tell us what the movie is about. 
Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Where uh, I was actually uh, had dinner last night with Lara, and we were discussing it, um, trying to get some distribution, trying to get it out there so everyone can see it. Um, but what it's about, I mean, um, we, well, uh, she, because when this initially happened, I was um, in a lot of trouble in the hospital. Um, but what we decided was we wanted to make a film that was a little more raw, a little more real about recovery. Um, we found that a lot of films uh, gloss over the hard parts, the parts that aren't fun, um, but the parts that, you know, uh, we think we thought that more people should know about. No one wants to talk about them, though. Um, so we dove deep, really deep into um, yeah, probably a little darker film, uh, which is maybe making it harder for distribution, but um, also why it's got the recognition it has, because um, you just don't see people diving into these issues. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's a film about recovery um, and the realities of going through some of this stuff, talking about social media and depression and, um, yeah, uh, life after traumatic injury. So um, it's been a it's been a journey with the film. It's been a lot of fun um, with the film festivals and stuff. And um, it's been a cool opportunity to show the world a different side. And also, um, I've had a lot of people reach out after seeing the film and, and, you know, talking about their experience, how it's helped them, how it's um, affected them in um, a positive way, or, or at least like providing some insight into um, what, what some of us folks have gone through after traumatic injury. So uh, it's, it's been a really cool, cool journey with that film. So that was a skydiving accident that uh, left you as a double amputee uh, below the knee, correct? Correct. 2017, I had an accident. Um, and uh, that's what I did for work. That's what I did for a living, teaching, um, filming, um, taking people, filming people doing their first skydives, um, experiencing it for the first time, and also helping people progress within the sport um, further down different licenses and stuff. And unfortunately, I just had a bad Monday at work um, <laughs> and had an accident, um, which, yeah, really changed my whole life around. And uh, left me as a double amputee and with um, some brain and spine injuries and um, all sorts of fun things. Yeah, fun things. Um, and one of the things that that uh, I observed was that you immediately turned your attention to what you're going to do afterwards because you are you are obviously an athlete. You do so many different things. And skydiving is just one of many things that you have done and that you are doing. You had to now make adjustments to with your new body, and you had to seek out some some inspiration uh, beyond not not just inspiration in a uh, in platitudinal sense, but just like somebody some real help in terms of getting from A to B. So, who were some of the people that that helped you get into this uh, new phase of your life? Yeah, I like to call it motivation. Um, yeah, correct. I found a lot of people that that motivated me to keep going forward. And, um, obviously friends and family, we can't do this. Um, friends that step up big time when you're in the hospital and support you. Um, my girlfriend, obviously, um, massive, massive, uh, reason where I'm at right now and, and my family, of course, but then a lot of, um, adaptive athletes. It was really cool. Um, the world's so small these days with social media and stuff and, um, through friends of friends and being put in touch with people doing, you know, whether it's uh, Nick Fenner, a bilateral amputee skydiver, I was put in touch with him and 
um, you know, right off the bat, he was like, dude, you're going to figure this out. We're, you know, here's check out these videos. Like you're going to be able to skydive again. And, um, yeah, you know, surfers, bilateral amputee surfers and, um, people doing the things that I wanted to do, um, getting put in touch with them. That was huge motivation. And I always say that, um, sport is the reason I got through my injury because my passion for sport and adventure sports, um, specifically, um, I, I was just so motivated to get back to do those. And even though you're sitting in the worst, worst place in your life, I could at least find solace in thinking about how, uh, you have so much time when you're laying there in the hospital for months and months, and months and years, um, in the end. Um, and I would just plan how or figure out how it's going to work. How am I going to skydive again? How am I going to surf? How am I going to sail? How am I going to snowboard? How am I going to rock climb? Um, all my passions before I'm just like analyzing and um, already running through R and D in my head. And I haven't <laughs> even tried it yet. And, um, you know, referencing how other people are doing things. And that's what got me through everything was, was passion for sport and my desire to do it again. Um, everyone kept saying, I'm going to skydive again. You know, that was my thing. And people thought I was crazy, but my whole thing was if I don't skydive again, why am I here? Like that's, that's what I love to do. So um, I got to figure out how to do it. And then I, I got to go do it. And um, it's exactly that. It, it kept me going. It kept me motivated, um, kept me in my community and um, yeah, stuff like that's what, what got me through the hardest times. You mentioned snowboarding, which is, of course, why we're speaking, because that was what ended up getting you some notoriety at the Beijing Paralympics and elsewhere. Who was your snowboard mentor? Um, I mean, obviously, you were a snowboarder before the accident, but then who helped you to transition from one to the other? Yeah, there was a few people. Um, and although she's an above knee amputee, but Michelle Salt was really, really uh, helpful in the start. And she was on the Canadian Paris snowboard team. And um, she was she was a great resource to um, help me out early on, and and then I was able to get in touch with some people like Mark Mann and Amy Purdy, who um, are bilateral amputees that were competing at the Paralympic level, and they were very helpful um, just with some tips and tricks early on, and um, yeah, but really what it came down to was doing it and uh eventually i had to get out there and, and try it for myself and um figure out how it would all work out for me but there was there was uh people from all over the world and and then i mean the big name is mike schultz he uh invented a foot that really changed uh paris snowboarding uh most of i don't i'd love to know the percentage but more than half, if not 60, 70% of the people are using Mike Schultz's foot. It's the BioDap versus foot. And um, it really was a revolution in Paris snowboarding. You can see the difference of when people started using this foot and, and the level of riding went through the roof. Um, so I was able to get in touch with Mike Schultz pretty early on. He was very supportive, and uh, which is funny because we also compete in the same category. So we are head-to-head <laughs> uh, -head competitors and... Um, you know, all three of us standing on the podium at the Paralympics were wearing Mike Schultz's foot, and Mike Schultz was standing right next to me. So, in gold, silver, um, Mike and I, we we battle. We have amazing battles all season. Um, it's pretty great to have someone like that that was a huge support, huge mentor, um, a huge help to get me on snow. And then um, I actually told him when we were standing on the podium, like it was just an honor to be racing with him, to be up there with him, because um, he was the guy I was watching when I was in a hospital bed. 
um, four or five years previous of winning that medal. So a uh, really cool story. And, and yeah, what Mike's done for the sport is amazing. I guess it's Tyler Turner, and we're talking about uh, the Beijing Paralympics, of course, and they uh, is are where you won the gold, as you just mentioned, right? At the um, uh, for uh, in 2022, um, and uh, you also won the World Championships uh, that year as well. And plus, you did a, a bronze at the Bank Slalom at the Beijing Paralympics in 2022. Uh, overall, what would you? How would you describe your experience at Beijing? I'm talking about you know. The, the whole experience, uh, the, what it was like to be there in the, in the, you know, in the midst of the COVID lockdowns and, uh, uh, you know, and for you too, it's a, it's a heady thing to suddenly be there getting medals put around your neck. Yeah. Um, it was a wild experience. Um, it motivated me to want to go four more years to Italy, um, for a different experience. Um, but it was, um, I keep, I, I've said it a lot that I'm just really happy that I had the success I had and that made it an amazing, an amazing experience. Um, it was different where, you know, I was constantly being told from people who had been to previous Paralympics that it was very different. Um, but it was, it was an experience nonetheless and uh, a cool one that I can tell stories about for the rest of my life. And, um, yeah, I got to be a part of the, the wild, uh, COVID Paralympics in Beijing. Um, <laughs> and you know, the, the golden bronze medal is, um, it just made it, made it all worth it. Um, the actual Paralympics themselves, you know, we've heard all the stories, the food and the, you know, it would, it all was what it was. Um, and it, for me, it was more the lead up to it. Um, not being able to really see friends, family, like, um, it was just myself and my girlfriend. And even then, you know, she was going to work every day. So I was all nervous. And, um, my concern wasn't about COVID itself. It was about COVID taking me out of, um, this opportunity that I had to go to the Paralympics and potentially win, um, a medal for Canada. So, um, yeah, that, that three, four months before was extremely stressful, um, traveling around the world to race world cups. Cause we all need to qualify. We all need to make it and um traveling all over europe trying to avoid covid was um a wild experience but it all worked out in the end and um yeah obviously i'm very 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 happy with how it all all worked out sport bc has announced the finalists to be celebrated at its upcoming 55th annual athlete of the year awards that are taking place on thursday march 9th at the vancouver convention center east and you are among them and um, you're in good co- in in good company. Uh, you're aware of this, I assume. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, as you said, good company. Some um, amazing uh, four other amazing athletes up there. Um, it sounds like uh, I may not be going to World Championships. Maybe canceled because there's no snow. So I think I will have the opportunity to go to that event, which would be really cool. Um, and yeah, just just an honor to be nominated. It's um, all this stuff is. Um, I, I don't know. I don't really know how to process it all, comprehend it. Like it was only five and a half years ago, like I said earlier, laying in a hospital bed, trying to figure out how I'm even going to do these things. And now, um, and watching so many of these folks, um, do it. And now to be able to join them, like I said, joining Mike Schultz on the podium was crazy. And, and 
to be going to these events and even even like we're doing here um with the valentine gala um it's um uh, it's just wild and um super super honored super cool um i actually was just able to win athlete of the year um at the silver tie gala for the high fives foundation um uh, just a month and a half ago, which uh, was the first Canadian to ever win that award wow. in uh, 20, uh, 14 years. Um, so it's it's been wild. Um, the journey the journey's been wild, but a lot of fun and um, yeah, just just really grateful to be able to um, be a part of all these events and and to be nominated for the BC Athlete of the Year. Um, it's just, I don't know. I don't know how to put it into words. It's pretty cool. Let's talk about some other cool uh, Tyler Turner trivia. First of all, uh, you live on a boat. I don't, I don't know if that's what I'm hearing in the background, but... Um... So, <laughs> I, you're actually hearing, uh, we sailed our boat from Campbell River to Mexico. It was uh, my girlfriend's dream. Um, she had done it when she was 13 with her, with her family. Um, comes by it, honestly. Grew up on a sailboat. Um, and she it was always her dream to do it on her own, on her own sailboat, captaining her own boat. So we've lived on a boat for the last three years. It's the only way we could afford um, to try to accomplish this dream. And so we lived on the boat, fixed up an old boat, a 42-year-old boat, and made it capable of making this passage. And uh, we left May 1st from the marina last year, and we arrived at our goal destination of La Cruz, Mexico, just a couple months ago. So it was about um, seven months from leaving the marina to arriving in Mexico. And uh, we accomplished the goal. And I'm actually now back in Canada for the snowboard season, which is supposed to be in Europe and everything's canceled. So just <laughs> racing and training in Canada here. And when I'm back home in Canada, I live in a van. So um, okay. it's either the boat or the van. <laughs> and that's what you're hearing in the background. I'm out in the mountains near Revelstoke right now. Okay. I've driven through that part many times. It's gorgeous over there. Beautiful. Um, and but... it snowed a foot and a half last night. So <laughs> it's beautiful right now. <laughs> All right. You not only skydive and you resume skydiving, but you do wingsuit flying. Uh, and I got terrified just looking at videos of that <laughs> last night on YouTube. So maybe you can describe for our audience what wingsuit flying is and what that experience is like. Yeah. Well, we've all seen it on YouTube. We've watched the the clickbaity videos um, of people flying close to mountains and all that stuff. Um, I used to fly wingsuits a little bit before my accident. It wasn't my preferred discipline, let's say. There's a lot of disciplines within the sport of skydiving. And I'd done it because we all want to try it. We've all seen our videos. And it um, it's a very solo sport. You're very much by yourself, whereas I preferred the group aspect of um, um other other disciplines in skydiving i won't go down a wormhole of yeah. uh skydiving disciplines but i i enjoyed the fact that you got out of the airplane with your group of friends and you all came together in the sky and, and it was a, a bit of a team effort you could high five at the end whereas wingsuiting was very solo you'd watch all your friends leave and then you'd wait a couple minutes and then you'd fly back from getting out of the airplane a few miles away and um it wasn't for me but then after my accident um i you know just pursuing goals and trying to do things that people hadn't done. I always tell uh, Roy Tuscany High Five Foundation, I'm just trying to push the line a little bit further of what's possible with disabilities. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, I no one had flown a wingsuit with two prosthetic legs, so that was a low-hanging fruit for me. So a, wings, um, a wingsuit is essentially you're you, you're up there like Batman. You're you're yeah. You're flying on squirrel your own. suit. <laughs> squirrel People suit. like to call it a squirrel suit, flying squirrel suit, or whatever. The wingsuit is the is the proper name for it. And um, uh, on some videos, for example, there was I saw one guy going through a hole in the side of a mountain that wasn't that much bigger than him with his arms extended, right? Yeah. So obviously within the sport, there's different, different levels you can get to. Um, yeah, that's, that's not the game I'm playing right now. I've, <laughs> since my accident, I've uh, very much decided to keep, keep the volume below 10 a little bit. <laughs> I can imagine I would say wingsuit flying would put my volume at a thousand. So I think you're doing just fine. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the thing is that there's a there's a way to really do these sports extremely yeah. safely, well, yeah. relatively safely, um, and you know, there's also ways to hang it out there. And so um, I've chosen. Obviously, there's a lot of guilt involved with um, traumatic injury in the way that. Um, my accident happened is it was it was a personal choice to be taking risks um so there's a lot of guilt in taking those risks and so now i choose to not take as many risks because i'm worried about the guilt of having something like that happen yeah, again understood um so yeah i mean we we did it um as safely as humanly possible and uh, a couple of years ago now i was able to accomplish yeah flying wingsuits again and now uh it's a leisurely sunday activity of course it i like is. to do yeah. one of your other athletic goals is to become a champion surfer and um something that may become possible later in this decade uh so how do you how would you weigh out what you have more passion for snowboarding or um, or surfing um that's a funny question and we just saw the announcement yesterday um i'm sure you're aware that uh it we uh surfing will be um considered so we've moved to the next level the sport um for the 2028 paralympics in uh la which is so exciting um really cool because it's been a long journey to get surfing to that point and i know the folks who have been working very hard on it and uh, they're really proud of accomplishing this step and i i have faith that it is going to get accepted so that would be really cool. Um, what I like better, snowboard or surfing. Snowboarding is my life. I've made a living snowboarding since uh, one of my first jobs was teaching snowboarding at the local hill, COP in Calgary, um, all the way up to uh, making a career out of um, cat driving, building snowboard parks, building cat roads for cat skiing, working towards a, um, a guiding certification in the backcountry up until my accident. So I've always been a part of snowboarding. That's how I've made a living. And so snowboarding is everything to me. However, surfing is such a fun, it was a hobby. So snowboarding was my life. It was my career, it was my job. Um, and it was also what I did to recreate, but surfing was that like passion hobby that I had. So, um, I don't know if I could pick one over the other. They're just very different sports for me. Um, in, how I pursue them. However, if it gets into the Paralympics, um, you know, it's very much going to change surfing for me and competing over the last few years in parasurfing has been 
really amazing experience. What a perfect place to debut it if it happens in Los Angeles of all places. Hey, get the beach, yeah. get the Beach Boys on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> it would be amazing. Yeah, it'd be really, really cool. I'm, I'm hoping for that because, um, be pretty neat to go to Italy 2026 and then right away put my head down and and try and switch to surfing and see if I can't uh, uh, have some success there in uh, in LA. It would be amazing. So one non-athletic pursuit of yours is playing the bagpipes. So how did that become part of your life? Yeah, that's funny that you uh, you found that. Um, my grandparents were curlers growing up and um, competed curling, had a lot of success. And so I would go to Bonspiels and see the bagpipers. And when given the opportunity to learn an instrument, whether that was piano or, or guitar or something, I really wanted to play the bagpipes. So... My parents eventually kind of gave into that, and um, yeah, I loved it. I I played in pipe bands for a lot of my youth, and um, I was always like the skateboarder in the kilt, <laughs> the the outcast bagpiper. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, uh, I I love bagpiping. I I um, haven't pulled them out a ton in the last maybe five seven years, but um, I still like to. Um, yeah, Remembrance Day, Robbie Burns Day, always got to pull the pipes out and play a tune. Finally, uh, Tyler, tell us a little bit about your public speaking career. Well, uh, it's only just beginning, but um, it's been really re- rewarding. Um, the handful of opportunities I have got, um, some really cool opportunities too. And I'm trying to find my way in it. I'm trying to find my voice and my message. Um, I'm trying to figure out how um, wingsuiting as a double amputee can, um, you know, help someone in their daily life. Um, and how this all, this all can tie together, but, um, it's been a really cool journey. And like I said, it's only just begun. And I, I hope to keep growing that, that aspect because sports aren't going to be here forever. I, my body is only going to, put up with this wear and tear for so long i'm surprised i'm still going but um yeah i i eventually would love to talk about all these things and and see how it can help others and and uh, motivate others like like i've been motivated um in the last five years here i think you have a great story to tell obviously um but also in that you're willing to go into dark places i think that's really important uh so many people um, just want to kind of go to the accomplishment level and skip all the crap and uh, you know so I think good for you for uh, for having the uh, the courage to go there and uh, and tell yeah it's just it's not the reality of it all and um, being vulnerable I find has the biggest response from people and and that's um, you know the feedback that I get um, lots of the time is that um, people appreciate the vulnerability and and um, my willingness to, to go there, like you said, and, and to talk about the things that we don't really want to talk about. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I just want to keep that going and, and keep the realness going. And I like to do that on social media. I like to do it, um, when I speak, um, I try to stay away from the, the rainbows and the, the fantasy world yeah. and, uh, keep it pretty real. Give us your, um, your, your socials or, uh, your website, uh, hit me. Uh, Ty Turner 14 on Instagram is where I'm most active and, and, um, yeah, I, uh, 
website. Um, I'm just going to confirm right now. Welcome back to the 39th annual Great Valentine's Gala at the Fairmont Royal York Hotel presented by the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons. Throwing back to the stage. Ladies and gentlemen, this year's recipient And you're hearing the voice of Ruth Ann Onley, who, of course, uh, is the uh, widow from David Onley. Andrew is currently serving his second consecutive term as president of the International Paralympic Committee, IPC. He is being honored tonight for his passion, his commitment, and for his leadership in raising awareness of international Paralympic sport. Andrew has been active in the Paralympic community for more than 20 years. He has held many leadership roles during that time. These span his home country of Brazil, the Americas, and ultimately the globe, with IPC where he has risen to his current role. When Andrew speaks, the world listens. They learn about the power of sport and what can be achieved when a person dares to dream. He speaks of the grace of Paralympians competing with each other and not against each other. During his time as IPC president, Andrew has achieved much. There is the partnership with the International Olympic Committee through to 2032 and the global launch of the decade-long We the 15 campaign ahead of the Tokyo Paralympics. We the 15 is the biggest ever human rights movement for people with disabilities. Andrew has also successfully steered the Paralympic movement through the pandemic and oversaw the delivery of the Tokyo 2020 Paralympic Games. And of course, he was equally instrumental to Pyeongchang 2018 and Beijing 2022. Andrew remains, reminds the world that inclusion is at the very core of IPC. He also speaks of celebrating diversity and of embracing differences. This applies to the Paralympians he passionately celebrates at every opportunity and to the population at large. The Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons is pleased to present it's 2023 David C. Onley Award to Andrew Parsons. I would now like to welcome Andrew to accept the award and give his remarks via video. It's a privilege to receive the Honorable David C. Onley Award. I wish he could be with you today, unfortunately I cannot. But let me tell you how honored I am in receiving an award that carries the name of David. An activist, a fighter, someone who was always very vocal about the rights of persons with disability, about inclusion of persons with disability. He passed away a few days ago, so I think how it's very important to remember his fight, uh, his legacy, and above all, just to say how that he became known famous when he as a journalist wanted to be shot 
his whole body to be in the, on the screen with his mobility device. Many years uh, after that, at the Paralympic Games, what we're doing is that we have more reporters and journalists with a disability in front of the camera uh, than ever before. So this shows a little bit what a pioneer he was. So again, I'm humble. Uh, I like to think myself as an activist as David was. Thank you very much for that. It's an honor, a privilege, and I will make sure that the daily legacy is passed on from generations to generations until we have a more inclusive world, and I will do it through sport. Before you jump away from the podium, I want to thank you for all of the effort, the commitment that you have given to the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons. You were never just David's wife. You certainly are a powerhouse uh, on your own. And again, as I said, lots of love in our hearts for you. And thank you for tonight. Thank you, Ruth Ann, and congratulations to Andrew Parsons, President of the International Paralympic Committee, as the recipient of this year's David C. Onley Award. <clears throat> and one more thing you should know about this award, that uh, each year the CFPDP makes a generous donation to a charity that is chosen uh, by the recipient of the David C. Onley Award, and Andrew Parsons has asked that this year's donation be directed to help indigenous communities. And the charity that's going to benefit from his, what is in his heart and from CFPDP is Inspire. It is an indigenous national charity that in, invests in the education of First Nations, Inuit and Métis, uh, people from those communities for the long-term benefit of themselves and their families and their communities in Canada. So way to go, Andrew, in choosing a great charity. Each year, as well, the Foundation presents the Corporate Award to recognize companies and organizations that have really gone the extra mile, if you will, to support people with physical disabilities. The award acknowledges genuine vision and exemplary actions that make our workplaces, that make our communities, that make our society inclusive for all of us, that make our society better. So I would like to invite to the stage honorary co-chairs Paula Allen and Raj Vishwanathan to come to the stage, if you will. And these two are going to present, ladies and gentlemen, this year's corporate award to two incredible organizations. Paula Allen, by the way, is global leader and senior vice president at LifeWorks. And Raj Vishwanathan is um, group head and CFO for Scotiabank. He is richer than we think. 
I had to say it, Raj. I had to say it. It's like sometimes, sometimes I just can't stop things. <laughs> Here you go. Uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I do have the pleasure of introducing tonight's first corporate award recipient, the National Hockey League. The NHL is being honored with the corporate award for its commitment to diversity and inclusion, including its focus on people with disabilities. In June of 2022, in the National Hockey League Awards Gala, which was broadcast live across Canada and the United States, major historic trophies celebrating the best of the regular season were presented that night. And they were all presented by people with disabilities and whose stories of resilience have inspired the hockey community. Here are a few examples. Thomas Hodges, who is partially blind, is an emergency backup goalie who was called into NHL action on the last day of the regular season. He handed out the Vizina Trophy for best goaltender of the year. Jake Thibault had dreamed of playing college hockey before an on-ice collision sent him headfirst into the boards. He began using a wheelchair after the accident and was told his chances of walking again were slim. Thibault presented the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. The Norris Trophy was presented by Chris Snow assistant general manager of the Calgary Flames. Chris was diagnosed with ALS in 2019. The NHL also released its inaugural diversity and inclusion report in October. It details how the league is working to build diversity and inclusion at every point where a player, fan, or employee might interact with the game. This is done through the diversification of youth hockey and community hockey programs. Clubs are amplifying content towards underrepresented communities so that everyone feels welcome. Scotiabank has a long-standing commitment to building diversity, equity, and inclusion for our employees, our customers, and our communities. We believe in the power of sport and that Canada's game should be accessible to all Canadians. That's why in 2021, Scotiabank launched its Hockey for All platform focused on promoting diversity, accessibility, and inclusion in the game by breaking down cultural and financial barriers. In our first year, Scotiabank has proudly donated over $3 million to organizations who help make hockey more accessible. This includes launching Alberta's first outdoor accessible rink, improving accessibility for over 3,000 para-hockey players. Together with partners like the NHL, we look forward to continuing on this journey to help transform the lives of people and communities for the better. CFPDP is pleased to present tonight's first corporate award to the National Hockey League. Please welcome Kay Whitmore, Group Vice President and former NHL goaltender to accept the award and say a few words. Welcome, Kay. Thanks, Raj. Couldn't ask for a more fitting person to announce with our relationship with the National Hockey League and Scotiabank. 
goes back a long way and it's something we value dearly. Um, thank you everyone for having me here tonight. This is an incredible event, uh, eye-opening and uh, tremendous people I've met already and thank you again. Um, this is something that I will not forget for a while. I will try to keep this short. My daughter told me that if I talk too long, the music will come on and they'll kick me off, but I'm not sure if that's one of those places. But anyway, it's, it's nice to accept an award on the NHL's behalf because I haven't won one since about Pee Wee. But um, <laughs> in all seriousness, I just, um, it's an honor for me to represent the league here tonight. And on behalf of Commissioner Bettman, uh, Deputy Commissioner Daly, uh, Senior Executive Vice President Colin Campbell, and the rest of our senior leadership group, we'd like to um, thank the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled for this heartfelt honor. And uh, we will continue to work to make hockey for everyone. We realize we've come a long way, we have a long way still to go, um, but this is something that, it's a, move, it's, a, it's a movement, not a moment, and uh, we're dedicated to making sure we uh, make sure hockey is for everyone, and it's inclusive to all, and it's, it's a game that unites us, and we want it to, to be for everyone. So thank you very much for this award, and we're honored and privileged to be here, thank you. And uh, Kay Whitmore is now uh, taking a photograph with the presenters of the award. We are here at the 39th annual Great Valentine Gala at the Royal York, Fairmont Royal York. Dave, Dave, you even, you screwed me up now. I've got, I've put it officially out into the ether now. I've once, <laughs> once the broadcasters start doing broadcasteries together, it can go, it can go sideways in a hurry. <laughs> uh, we're going to continue now with uh, further award presentations. Hello everyone. I am delighted to introduce uh, tonight's second corporate award winner, the Council of Canadian Innovators. CCI is another a powerful ally in advancing equity and inclusion for people with disabilities. The National 21st Century Business Association was co-founded in 2015 by Jim Basile and John Ruffalo. It ex is exclusively comprised of CEOs from Canadians' fastest growing technology companies. CCI helps these high growth tech firms scale up globally by advocating for greater access to talent, capital, and customers. On the talent front, CCI is training current and future board members through its innovation governance program. Participants are then added to a roster of prospective directors within a specialized referral program that helps scale up companies, fill vacancies on their board of directors. CCI's innovation governance program seeks to support individuals from populations that are traditionally underrepresented in Canada's boardrooms, including people with disabilities. Through its work, and specific focus on training and elevating qualified professionals with disabilities, CCI is driving extraordinary change. CFPDP, another incredible organization, is pleased to present tonight's second corporate award to the Council of Canadian Innovators. Please welcome CCI co-founder John Ruffalo 
and Executive Director Benjamin Bergen to the stage. So John came up here with me because I thought I'd be nervous, so thank you, John, for, uh, for the support. Uh, good evening, everyone. On behalf of the Council of Canadian Innovators, I would like to extend our deepest gratitude for this recognition. I would like to thank the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons for their continued efforts to promote accessibility and inclusiveness in the workplace. Your work is inspiring and has a meaningful impact on so many individuals' lives and across so many organizations in this country. CCI's Innovation Governance Program is a true testament to the Council's commitment to diversifying Canada's technology boards and promoting inclusiveness at the workplace. And that started at the top with folks like Jim Balsilli and John Ruffalo. Um, and we at CCI believe that diversity and inclusion is an essential component for a thriving tech ecosystem. And we realized that we had to play a role in that. We would also like to extend our thanks to all of our partners and supporters and members who helped us along the way. These include Sustainable Development Technology Canada, BMO, Bennett Jones, Alta ML, Sycura, Deloitte, the Innovation Asset Collective, Stonewood Group, the TMX Group, Tech Nation, Women Get On Boards, and Queer Tech. Your contributions have been invaluable and we are grateful for your committed uh, work on the cause. Finally, I would like to thank the Council's dedicated team of professionals who have worked tirelessly to make this program possible. Uh, Patrick Searle, who's uh, at our table. Patrick, please stand up <laughs> or, or wave your hand. Thank you, Patrick. Patrick, you're a visionary and you helped build this program and really so much of this award is a lot of the work that you've done, so thank you. In conclusion, the Council of Canadian Innovators is committed to continuing our efforts to promote diversity and inclusiveness in Canada's tech boardrooms. We are honored to receive this Corporate Leadership Award and we will continue to work tirelessly to make a meaningful impact. Thank you again for your support. Thank you. And, uh, just to add, uh, first of all, thank, thank you, uh, Ben. Uh, the, the Council of Canadian Innovators would never have been uh, where it is without uh, the likes of Ben, Dana, and Patrick uh, who are here today. Um, you know, we did have an early mandate because it's the right thing to do from a diversity and inclusion perspective, and um, and and we really believe it. I didn't uh, know that I was going to join the uh, dis disabled uh, community a, a couple of years ago, and I, I must say it's really heartwarming to see the number of people that are out here tonight. Uh, it is the most that I've ever seen uh, since my accident, and uh, you know. Uh, it's hard to explain, but you know, you, you almost yearn to feel a little bit normal uh, sometimes. And when you see it, you uh, it makes you feel uh, quite good. And you know, the the one thing that we try to do with CCI, uh, my wife would say I do it too much personally, is is to be heard and to be seen, and sometimes to be heard maybe a little bit too much, uh, but. But I encourage everyone here who believes in the same thing to ensure that you are heard and heard loudly and heard often enough because the people in this room who are part of this community, all they just want is just to have a normal life. 
and you know, and they deserve it. So uh, anything you can do to help the folks uh, as well would uh, would be very much appreciated. Thank you. And once again, here at the Fairmont Royal York, some photographs are being taken on the stage at the 39th Annual Great Valentine Gala in the Canadian Room at the Fairmont Royal York Hotel. My name is Andy Frankham, along with Dave Brown, and uh, we're celebrating this fabulous event along with uh, about 400 people or so mm -hmm. in this uh, big old room, eh, Dave? About 400 people really enjoying themselves uh, celebrating both the individuals supporting para-athletes tonight and people who engage in the Paralympic movement. It is just remarkable tonight to see all the love in this room and support and enthusiasm, whether it be the corporate partners or whether it be the athletes themselves who are just beaming. Anytime you get a chance to interact with one of them tonight, you can tell what a great pleasure it is for them to be here, much like it's a great pleasure for you and I to be here as well. Uh, you heard the word gratitude used before, and oftentimes when you get to spend time with these elite athletes, you know that gratitude is a big part of it, and we're grateful to be part of this celebration tonight. Interesting what the NHL's doing, yeah? Oh, very much so. Uh, you heard them talk about the Hockey's for Everyone movement, which certainly is one of their big corporate goals, but even at individual levels, you see so many teams south of the border engaging with the blind hockey movement, yep. uh, making sure to include those athletes and build those programs. congratulate the NHL and the Council of Canadian Innovators. You guys join a prestigious group of corporations that certainly have been honored over these uh, years and so great to have you as part of the gala this year. Kay, I know you love all hockey even though your heart probably belongs to a, a few of the teams that you did play with um, but the score, the Blue Jacket and Leaf game is on just down the street. It's 2-2. So just to keep you informed because that'll save you from going to your phone. We are going to present the final awards with our Beijing Paralympic medal winners. You do not want to miss that after this short break. Actually, it's a musical break. It's not a commercial. Uh, so I'm going to invite Patrick and Anna back onto the stage. I'm going to introduce Patrick and Anna a little bit more closely later on. Ladies and gentlemen, the Layawakes. Patrick Anderson's a familiar name to AMI-TV and AMI-audio fans, um, having uh, been a Paralympian himself in the basketball realm. One of the greatest wheelchair basketball players ever yeah. in the para, in the para-sport world, and uh, frankly, a pretty darn impressive musician too. Yeah, very much so. I really enjoyed that first set. I have not, I was not familiar at all with the work the Leowicks were doing, but I am familiar with them now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was very impressive stuff. So they're going to play a couple of songs, and then uh, what might be the, the highlight of the night. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the main event of the evening, if you will. Yeah, the Beijing Paralympic uh, medalists, uh, those who uh, were able to come to Toronto and uh, be honored in person. All right, let's go to the Leowicks, Sam. Well, thanks, yeah, we're up here to sing a couple more songs for you. Uh, this one's called Year Round Summer Flame. You're my autumn by the riverside, and you're my spring when we are. 
sun And you're my spring And then I'm walking down the block And you're my winter When we're singing by a fire You're my year-round summer flame You are my everything Now that I have you I don't need snow or fallen leaves I don't need sunshine or rainbows Stars or the sea I don't need flowers or gardens That bloom in the spring just to be the two of us together on stage, but how we actually managed to come to Toronto and what that takes to go anywhere when you have three little kids. Um, so this next song goes out to our eldest child. I think I saw one maybe seven-year-old in the room somewhere over there, but I don't see too many young children here. But I'm sure they're somewhere with somebody. So this song goes out, it's called Stanley. It's the name of our oldest child. In a day, you'll be home again. I know it's been a while. Are you tired of the road? In a day, you'll start a new beginning.
watching you for a sign Still you wake me in the night With the slightest fluttering breath I'll ever be cold bright And I lay you on my chest Cause I keep a place just for you Thank you, Dave. This is AMI Audio Live from the 39th Annual Great Valentine Gala from the Fairmont Royal York Hotel, presented by the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons. Let's hear from Patrick Anderson. Coming up in June. Uh, all this hockey talk, though, brings me back. I grew up a hockey player. I got injured when I was nine. Uh, when I was 11, I was introduced to wheelchair basketball and to sledge hockey. And uh, I love them both equally. But uh, this is a long time ago, like 30 years ago. It was at sledge hockey, and we were like poking the puck around with the end of our sticks because there were no blades on the sticks yet. And so one year we got blades, and so my friends and I, we started raising the puck. And the parents started getting mad at us that someone was going to get hurt. Uh, meanwhile, I'd go to wheelchair basketball practice later in the week, and I'd crash into somebody and fall over, and everyone would laugh and pick me up and kind of send me on my way. So for me, that sort of guided me towards, uh, you know, basketball, and, I, and uh, I never really looked back. But I loved hockey so much, and uh, if I'd come along maybe just a couple years later, like when Billy Bridges and these guys uh, really took the game to the next level, I think I probably ended up uh, in the position like Liam Hickey is in, where he's great at, or at least <laughs> has options to do both. Anyway, that's my way of shouting out the athletes. It's 2022 now, decades later. It's never been harder to win a Paralympic medal. I know from experience. We've had a little bit of a dry spell with the basketball team, so I had to find another way to get invited here tonight, uh, thankfully. But uh, we hope to be back with the basketball team at one point. But shout out to all the great uh, athletes in Beijing. Well done. And shout out quick to uh, Chantal, Petty Claire, and Reg McClellan. We'll be able to look myself in the mirror if I didn't. Shout out some of the all-time wheelchair basketball greats over there. So, thanks for listening, and we'll be back in a couple minutes.
you really hear the passion there and the recognition for so many legends who are in this room. It's not just the people who brought home medals this year. Let's go back to Suhana Marshan. You. Did you say June? June Dubai. June Dubai. Think Canadian basketball team. By the way, you're going to see Anna and uh, Patrick a little bit later on as well. They are the Layawakes. I did mention a final award for you tonight, and I am here to give that up to you. The King Clancy Award recognizes individuals whose outstanding accomplishments have helped to increase public awareness about the potential of people with disabilities. And through their efforts, these individuals have inspired others to reach for their dreams, to go higher beyond whatever they thought might have been uh, the end earlier on, but to reach further than that. And CFPDP established the King Clancy Award. It was back in November of 1986 to commemorate the contributions of King Clancy as an inspirational humanitarian. So it's my great pleasure right now to invite three-time Paralympian, world champion medalist, CBC Sports broadcaster, a former colleague of mine, but now that I'm retired, well, you know, I gotta woo him. He is also a director at the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons, ladies and gentlemen, Rob Snook. My wife knows that she's wooing me. There might be some trouble. Thank you, Suhana. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for being here. What a great night. One of the highlights of the year for, for my wife, Pam, and I, who's here again tonight. If you've never taken time to shake hands or maybe get an autograph from a Paralympic athlete, um, there's a lot of them in the room. This would be a great start. I'm going to introduce several of them in a, in a few moments. And the one who's on the stage playing music, I have to tell you, Patrick Anderson, according to many people, and I agree, is the greatest wheelchair basketball player ever to play the game in the world, ever. So, and he's a pretty amazing musician as well. And I'm not the only one who believes that, by the way. He is still going at it phenomenally. All right. It's an honor to present the 2023 King Clancy Awards. Our recipients, as you've heard, are the Canadian medal winners from the 2022 Beijing Paralympic Winter Games. Now I'd like to call George Prezbolowski, tonight's acting gala chair and director of the foundation, as well as Raj Viswanathan, group head and CFO for Scotiabank, Marc-Andre Fabian, the president of the Canadian Paralympic Committee, all to the stage to help with this process. In addition to being our 2023 gala's exclusive presenting sponsor, Scotiabank has been a generous, ongoing partner in the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons Podium Fund since 2004. CFPDP created the Podium Fund to provide financial rewards to Paralympic athletes who win medals at both the Winter and Summer Games, and this helps to fill a decades-old void. George, Raj, and Marc-Andre will join me for the King Clancy Award and podium check presentations to our Beijing Paralympic medalists. The 2023 King Clancy Award recipients with us today are 
and we start with members of the Canadian wheelchair curling team, which beat Slovakia 8-3 to take the bronze medal in Beijing. Our first recipient comes to us from British Columbia. She threw third stones on Canada's medal-winning team, has now won a medal in each of her one, two, three, four Paralympic Games appearances. The first King Clancy Award goes to Ina Forrest. And next, he was the skip of Canada's curling team and guided the squad to a bronze medal performance in China. Three-time Paralympic medalist from London, Ontario, King Clancy winner, Mark Eidson. This next athlete, also part of the team, was born and raised in Ottawa, now with the Bradford Curling Club, a disability advocate who's been recognized with a Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal, King Clancy Award winner, Kalinda Joseph. He was inducted into the Canadian Curling Hall of Fame in 2019, won his third Paralympic medal in Beijing last March, the pride of Sanford, Manitoba, King Clancy winner, Dennis Thiessen. And the man who threw the final rocks for Canada in Beijing, a multi-sport athlete who also represented Canada in water skiing at the 2019 World Championships from Dunsford, Ontario, King Clancy Award winner, John Thurston. Now we switch sports. This cross-country skier hails from Whitehorse, Yukon, a world-class and World Cup racer in his own right. In Beijing, he guided Brian McKeever to gold in the 12.5-kilometer freestyle. He's been the guide for McKeever over three Paralympic Games, winning many medals. Please congratulate King Clancy Award winner Graham Nishikawa. This alpine ski racer from Calgary won bronze medals in both the Super G and Super Combined events in Beijing to match the hardware she won in Pyeongchang in 2018. She is King Clancy Award winner Alana Ramsey. And also from the mountains, from the sport of snowboarding, 
She won three medals early in 2022 at the World Championships, and then the pride of bigger Saskatchewan stood on the silver medal spot on the podium in Beijing in snowboard cross racing. King Clancy Award winner, Lisa DeYoung. Also from Snowboard Cross, from Campbell River, BC, he had an amazing year. First, double gold and bronze at the World Championships in 2022, and then Canada's first ever gold in Paralympic snowboarding, where he dominated from qualifying all the way to the big final. King Clancy Award winner, Tyler Turner. We're going to hear from Tyler in just a few minutes, by the way. Canada's para ice hockey team fought to a hard silver medal against the U.S. and China, and many of the players are here. But the captain, Tyler McGregor, is not because he is in the middle of his sledge skate of hope, skating his sled a marathon distance, 42 kilometers, in every Canadian province and territory to raise funds for the Terry Fox Foundation. He is in Manitoba today. He's in New Brunswick next week. Let's hear it for Tyler McGregor. And he's pretty popular among his teammates, you can tell. Canada is well represented, though. This versatile Canadian can skate as a forward or a defenseman. He was part of Canada's gold medal winning team at the 2017 Worlds, silver medal squads at Beijing and Pyeongchang. From Aaron, Ontario, King Clancy Award winner, Rob Armstrong. Our next winner was born on Prince Edward Island. He is Canada's all-time leader in just about every statistical category. At the age of 37, he was named a tournament all-star at the Beijing Paralympic Winter Games. He's a four-time world champion, a six-time Paralympian. He is here with his daughter, Kenzie, tonight. Please welcome to the stage, King Clancy winner, the great Billy Bridges. This hockey player comes to us from Heathcote, Ontario, made his Paralympic debut in Beijing. His international resume also includes two silvers at World Championships to go with his Paralympic silver, King Clancy Award winner, Rod Crane. Our next recipient is a stalwart Canadian defenseman, winner of many awards as the top D at many tournaments. He led Canada's scoring at the Sochi Paralympics. 
He is often named a tournament all-star rosters, the pride of Midland, Ontario, King Clancy winner, Adam Dixon. Our next winner was the youngest hockey player on the Canadian team in Beijing at 21, but it was already his second Paralympic Games. We expect him to be shining for years to come. From Wallacetown, Ontario, King Clancy winner, James Dunn. From our nation's capital, Ottawa, this next defenseman for Team Canada has been part of the program since before Canada's gold at the 2017 Worlds, two-time Paralympic silver medalist, Tyrone Henry. I think this is the only athlete here tonight from The Rock, St. John's, Newfoundland, and he's a rock on the Canadian team. And there you go. He was named Best Defenseman at the 2019 and 2021 World Championships. He can play forward too. He's a multi-sports star who played wheelchair basketball for Canada at the Rio Games, an elite athlete on many levels, King Clancy Award winner, Liam Hickey. This athlete made his Paralympic debut at Beijing 2022. He's another early 20s age member of the Team Canada with years ahead of him. A forward from Gatineau, Quebec is our King Clancy recipient, Jacob Ant Anton Jacobs-Webb. This next recipient covers a lot of space in the Canadian net, made a smooth transition from goaltender in the stand-up game to the sledge hockey game, and is well-recognized for his excellence already. The pride of Smithers, B.C., King Clancy winner, Adam Kingsmill. Another piece of the promising future of the Canadian team comes from Okotoks, Alberta. A top 10 scorer at the 2019 World Championships made his Paralympic debut in Beijing, taking home silver. King Clancy winner, Zach Lavin. Also from Para Ice Hockey, from arguably Canada's most famous hockey town, this forward made his Paralympic debut in Beijing, helped Canada to a silver medal from Brantford, Ontario, King Clancy winner Garrett Riley. <laughs> and I'm going to introduce our last uh, recipient, even though he was here. He checked in, but his wife, quite literally, is going to give birth shortly. So, 
He played in five Paralympic Games, winning gold, two silver, a bronze, led the Vancouver Paralympics in scoring, working these days in broadcasting. Last fall was inducted into the Canadian Disability Hall of Fame, Oakville's own King Clancy winner, Greg Westlake. And now I'd like to ask snowboard gold medalist Tyler Turner to say a few words on behalf of this elite and incredible group of athletes. Thank you. Um, thank you to the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons. Um, amazing event. Thank you to Scotiabank and um, obviously Vim Kojar for everything you do with this incredible organization. Um, I was on, I, I mean, I'm, I'm super humbled, super honored to be asked to speak on behalf of everyone up here. Um, some legendary athletes um, when you look around, and I'm new to this, so um, it's pretty humbling to be asked to be up here and, and speak on everyone's behalf. I was on the plane th thinking, um, how do I speak for so many people with so many different backgrounds, different sports, different stories, different disabilities, and um, the one thing that I came to is that what we all have in common is that um, all of us are athletes striving to be the best at our sport, and on top of that, all of us are Canadian, and we're proud to be Canadian. The other commonality that um, all of us have is that all of us live with a disability um, of some sort, and that hasn't stopped anyone up here from becoming the best in the world at what they do, um, which is, is amazing. And I know um, the one of the big goals of this organization, I've watched past galas and um, the CFPDP has spoken lots about um, having Paralympic medals be recognized on the same level as Olympic medals, which I think is amazing. And I'm claiming that Paralympic medals should be held in a higher regard um, well, because every single person up here has not only show, showed incredible dedication to their sport with training, but everyone in here also has incredible resilience to overcome the adversity that living with a disability puts on one's life. And through all that, everyone up here was still able to become the best in the world at what they do. That's, that's what makes the Paralympics so amazing, is that everyone um, at the Games, you know, medal or not, every single person has an incredible story of what got them there, whether it's being born with a disability or, like myself, just losing limbs recently. Um, if you sit at a table or you get, you know, you're drinking a beer later, ask any one of these people their, their story. I can guarantee you it'll be an incredible story. And, um, yeah, feel free to try that if you haven't yet. Um, ask anyone here for how we got to that medal that we got this winter. And that's why I would argue that uh, it's harder to win a pair medal than an Olympic medal. No offense to any Olympians here. <laughs> um, but it's such an honor. Uh, very grateful for the support um, for this, this award. It's an honor to win. And we're proud to receive this award. And um, we're proud of all the hardware that we were able to bring back um, as Canadians. And uh, thank you so much. Okay, we're gonna do a big photo here. So if we could get the people in chairs in the front, maybe. And I'm gonna move this podium, is that okay? Nobody's stopping me? 
Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. And while they're posing for the photograph, I'm going to throw Dave Brown and ask him what he thought of what he just observed here today. Enthusiasm and excitement for the athletes as they made the move up the ramp to be at the center of the stage and be recognized uh, amongst their peers. As mentioned, this isn't just a celebration for the athletes who brought home medals in Beijing. There are legends of their sports here tonight as well. So it's an opportunity for new athletes who some have been around since the Torino Games and some who competed in Vancouver and some where Beijing was their first. It's a real testament to the movement broadly and generally to see the family, the Paralympic family coming together here and celebrating athletes who uh, performed at their highest in Beijing and some of whom will continue to carry that torch heading into uh, 2026, which I believe is France. Is it France, Andy? I think it's France. Wow, you caught me off guard there. I did catch you off guard there. I did, I did a poor broadcasting <laughs> partnership. But Andy, your reaction to some of the enthusiasm in the room? Well, it's 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 awesome. And um, as you said, Dave, they look like hockey players. These oh. ho I'm, talking about, I'm talking specifically about the hockey players that they acknowledge. I mean, the it's the it's the it's the skinny ties. Yeah. It's the light gray suits. That's it's right. uh, That's the, right. the, the 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 hair flow, as you would say, That's with uh, clean in the front, with a little bit of flow in the back. Yeah, it's a good-looking group of people on the stage. Um, well, that's the cheat code, Andy, and we've lost that cheat code, but the staying in shape cheat code to look in really good on stage. Oh, I don't know about you, Dave. <laughs> We're going to go back to the stage here. And shot foot thrower at the Paralympics. She was completely blind. One time we were on a plane. We were coming home from Germany, I think, and we were talking, and um, I said to her, there's this story that people who are blind can hear better. And she just kind of starts chuckling and laughing. And she's like, we can't hear better. We just listen better because we have to. So I hope that tonight maybe we all can just after we've experienced this and feel a little bit more, maybe we'll just listen a little bit better. Suhana, take it away. All right, listen better and open your wallets, for goodness sake. I'm here to bring you the reality. Hey, those Paralympians, I mean, those athletes, athletes, they're a bunch of trouble. That's what I say. But they got tickety-boo into that picture zone. Fantastic. Let's hear it for them. Come on. I think you can give it up. Give it up. <laughs> Tyler, you are absolutely right. Your medals are incredible. I would like to conclude tonight's awards ceremony by adding my best wishes, and I know I can speak for all of us here tonight to all of the recipients. Andrew Parsons, President of the International Paralympic Committee, congratulations to you. The National Hockey League, Kay, thank you for being here. Congratulations to you. The Canadian Council, or the Council rather, of Canadian Innovators, Ben and John, welcome and congratulations to you. And our fantastic athletes, Canada's Paralympic medal winners from Beijing, congratulations. You know, you shine for all of us, and you should know that not just here tonight at the Canadian Great Valentine Gala for the Canadian Foundation, but you shine for all of us, and we will be thinking about those games in June. All right.
Bit of musical interlude. I don't know about you, but I ate that whole piece of red velvet cake. <laughs> I really hope there's dancing, because I feel like either that or that, you know, Peloton thing is going to stare me down. But we are very excited to bring the Layawakes back onto the, onto the stage. I know you've heard some of their incredible short sets so far. Their main performance is coming up. If you would like to catch up and to hear share stories, ask Paralympians, as Tyler mentioned, what their stories are. If you want to do all of that, take it outside of the ballroom. The Ontario room is open. You can have like huge long discussions in there and nobody will bug you. Um, and I mean, we've got a great love story that's happening and unfolding here at uh, the 39th annual Great Valentine Gala. I mentioned Anna Paddock. I mentioned Patrick Anderson. They are the duo, the singer-songwriter duo, the Layawakes. They are in love with their music. They are in love with, them, with each other and in love with love after they met in, summer, in the summer of 2009. They were at a friend's wedding. I'll tell you, friend's weddings, they can be really bad because they lead you to do the same thing. And sometimes it works out. And that's great because it worked out for them. Um, not that it didn't for me. I hear that gasp over there. <laughs> but it was love in the air when they were at a friend's wedding in Manitoba. They went to Vancouver after that. They decided to caravan together. They fell in love. They got married. And they created these captivating, heartfelt songs that we are so happy and fortunate to hear tonight. And also, as Patrick mentioned earlier, it's kind of like completing the circle for him because um, as we are honoring our Paralympian medalist, he spent many years and still does representing Canada in wheelchair basketball. And Andrew has three Paralympic gold medals. Yay! I don't want to forget about Anna Paddock, though. Takes two to make fantastic music. Ladies and gentlemen, Andrew and Anna, the Layawakes. This is the live broadcast on AMI-audio of the 39th Annual Great Valentine's Gala at the Royal York Hotel, put on by the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons. Andy, I did a terrible broadcaster habit there. I put you on the spot asking a question, not knowing the answer. The 2026 Olympics are going to be in Milan. 2024 is where France will be hosting the Winter Olympics. So there you go. Well, I, that's but you see, you just did the right thing as a broadcaster. You corrected yourself. <laughs> exactly. And, mea uh, culpa. A full-blown mea culpa, through and through. Yes, that's right. Like you see in those corrections in the newspaper in the fine print at the end, at the end of the story. You know, uh, we made a little boo-boo. I got things partially correct. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to leave you now from uh, the Royal York here as um, the rest of the evening is going to be devoted to music and so on. Uh, the Leo Wakes, you can find them on your favorite streaming platform. Mm -hmm. They're out there. Uh, they're uh, terrific. But uh, at AMI-audio, we do uh, spoken word content for the most part, so we're going to resume uh, regular programming in just a couple of minutes' time. I just want to send out some uh, big thanks, first of all, to Sam Baba, our technician who uh, worked with us last week as well at the Durham Regional uh, Games, uh, the Parasport uh, Games. Uh, thank you, Sam, for all your excellent work. It takes, uh, takes, a, it takes a lot to organize something like this, mm -hmm. uh, even at a sophisticated environment like the Fairmont Royal York Hotel. I also want to thank Nisreen Abdelmajid, who is taking uh, a, value, a big, valuable chunk of her valuable weekend to uh, sit in the studio and make sure that everything goes to air. Uh, Nisreen, huge thanks from uh, from us all uh, here. 
Uh, thanks to uh, Greg Westlake for joining us, the Paralympian who oh was here gosh. for the first half of the broadcast <laughs> uh, and joined us for uh, our dinner backstage. And a uh, terrific guy. You're going to hear more from Greg Westlake on AMI. Uh, as the uh, days and months and years go by. And, and, thank, and racing th home to be with his wife. <laughs> That's right, racing <laughs> home to be with his wife for their first child. So a big thing. And Dick, thanks to Dave Brown. Dave, thank you very much for doing this. Andy, it's my great pleasure. A huge supporter of the Paralympic movement. It's been one of the great honors in my career at AMI to interview athletes and coaches and organizers. The first ever shoot I did for AMI back in May of 2011 was a Canadian Paralympic committee event in Ottawa and I have been stunned and amazed by the elite nature of these athletes and competitors for years and years so any chance I get to celebrate them and their work I'm always happy to do so Andy it's been my pleasure thank you for including me that's it ladies and gentlemen from the Royal York take it over Nisreen